Sorry, Here's my ahead. concern about babies, right? Like, human babies specifically. I feel like human <laughs> babies are completely worthless. Like, only maybe, like, more worthless is, like, pandas or kangaroos. But that's besides the point. Like, human babies, you Mercy feed girls. them... And then they throw it up. And, like, this is expected. Like, this is just it. They're like, oh, well, their digestive, their esophagus isn't formed, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what fucking kind of mammal, animal, (laughs) is born unable to swallow food? Like, that seems like an oversight. The kind that developed a brain that was big enough to have a head that had a difficult time coming through the birth canal. So then, thus needed to be born what is technically premature in order to be born at all. I mean, this just seems like oh, poor wow. planning. That's the best explanation I've heard because, like, I agree with Joe. It's like humans shouldn't be alive. Like, <laughs> it's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> this is not how, like, this animal is bullshit. Like, it has yeah. no It claws. can't walk. It has it no hold teeth. Its head up. But. It but can't climb. It, it can't swim. It can't survive in the cold. Like, for years, for years, they still (laughs) shit on themselves. Like, like, never mind the fact that, like, oh, you know, like, kittens or whatever, you know, their eyes aren't open when they're born. But, like, after, like, a couple of weeks, they're ready to go. They're fucking cats. Like, (laughs) people don't become people until, like, 25. I get it. Like, obviously, adult humans are impressive, whatever. But baby humans are garbage. Welcome back, everybody, to May We Geek Again. My name is Shaheen. I'm your host today, joined, as always, by my loyal, lovely host, co-host, Joe. Hello. And by our occasional, equally lovely guest, Bubs from Reddit. And the fucking hey, charm today. <laughs> so, what's up, guys? It's been a while, right? Yeah, there's no new hundred episodes. No fucking yeah, I mean. Oh my god, don't remind me. Dry season. <laughs> How's everyone surviving? Uh, I mean, I'm playing Sims until five in the morning, so I think that kind of sums up where <laughs> I am you, in life right now. <laughs> are you? Do you go have, to a bachelorette like, party with no stripper, and then you go home and play Sims till five in the morning? But, I mean, but, but did you I make like, like an arc? Static as that sounds, or maybe I am. <laughs> Like, is there like no? That's all, the everyone from life. the arc awesome. in, on the Sims, or or do you have like with like a Clark out in the out in the yard with like a treehouse, and she's like watching inside? Like, have you made a hundred Sims pack? Is what I'm asking. Do you actually want me to answer this question? Oh God, now I do. Um. <laughs> does your does your Sims character look like any of the the hundred? Oh yeah. Um, do you make Do you make them touch bits? <laughs> <laughs> They do. They do. And Joe, remember, I made Alexa for you. Oh, my God. I think I sent you the screen grab. Um, Yes. And after I sent you the screen grab, later on, I was actually downloading um, content, and I found the Alexa paint, the under eye paint. So I also have that, too, now. Um, (laughs) But so mostly, like, it's not so much about gameplay, although sometimes I will play it through. Um, it's, It's, like, a lot of, like, building. And so I did at one point, make a very elaborate arc-like underground bunker inspired by the 100. Okay. Uh, 
and populated also- by Wait, in the sims yeah you made a bunker i did how a really you, large how one. do you make a bunker in this in you the have sims? like two underground levels to build in sketchy so basements oh wow what it's like a sketchy basement yeah Oh, super sketchy. There are like secret <laughs> room. Oh my god, I'm gonna stop talking. This is just fair. Did you like build like a sex dungeon for like <laughs> you, for like That ooh. is a question that is interesting and I will not answer. Oh. Okay. Well, um, listeners, we we all know the answer to that. Uh so <laughs> you know. Anyways. Cool. All right. Well, um, you can find us online. <laughs> you can find us online. On Podbean, on iTunes, we're on Twitter. Um, you can email us. It's all maybe geek again. We're on Facebook even. Uh, for um, email, it's at gmail.com. Right. Just, you know, maybe right. geek again at gmail.com. What other, G- what other email service? Is there like I don't know. Occasionally, know. like someone will like tell me their email, and it's like AOL or Yahoo or Hotmail. I'm just like I kind of don't like, want to talk to you anymore. Why? Yeah. Like I kind of lose a lot of respect. <laughs> My dad had. I totally judge people who don't. Email. Yeah. I mean, who have uh, other emails other than Gmail? I totally judge them. I mean, at, like at your company or whatever, <laughs> or at like a private domain, fine. But if you're still like kicking it on Hotmail or whatever, or like, <laughs> or like the free email that came with your internet provider, like you're like I'm at Comcast.com, at Verizon.com. No. Yeah. <sighs> Although, anyway, do you sorry. ever wonder, we're so used to Gmail, do you ever wonder if there's, like, a better one out there, and we, and there's, like, teenagers know. on it laughing at us don't for care. being on Gmail still? Like, my don't Gmail know, account care. is 10 years old. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, others have tried, but, you know, we're we're the olds now. We, uh, Gmail is the, the new AOL, is what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I'm, no, I'm not <laughs> saying that it is, I'm saying that I'm worried about it. Yeah, that we're we don't know and we're just secretly being that. We're too at. old to it's it's like uh it's like that and thing scoffed. where they like where they like play a sound that only young people can hear to like get them to stop <laughs> loitering somewhere. And so like we can't hear the sound of the new cool hot email. No, but kids don't even use email, so this point is moot. I'm calling shenanigans. They're all Snapchatting each other and sending each other sexts and <laughs> swiping right and it seems like God. the least permanent your message is the better nowadays yeah because the internet which never forgets. drives me crazy because i don't delete like any emails that aren't no. spam no never yeah anyway, all right what are we talking anyway about today? <laughs> so um and if you want to read my blog it's at freefloatingperspective.wordpress.com joe do you have anything to no, Plaque, I just maintain our here. shitty Twitter account and try to keep it, you know, filthy and on brand. So feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. I'm usually usually around posting shit, making fun of shit, calling yeah, out shit. So definitely. that's it. Bubs, do you plug anything? I mean, I'm Bubbles of Love on Reddit and Twitter. All right. All right. So, uh, as you guys know, the 100 is on hiatus. So we're womp talking womp. about the expanse out of nowhere um <laughs> and yeah it's a great show that you should watch if you like the hundred you should watch the expanse um so mm. there have been two seasons of the expanse um season one has 10 episodes season two has 13 total of 23 and we decided to break this up into three chunks 
So we're doing episodes one through eight today. Uh, should I mention all the names of the episodes or? Oh God, that will take forever. <laughs> yeah, who cares? I think we're good. But we had a little bit of news from the 100 Comic-Con from San Diego, uh, which... Bubs, are you going to take it away, or who's doing this? Give us give us a little recap of, <laughs> of all the, the news that's fit to print. Okay, cool. Yeah, do you actually want to do the first one? I think you wrote that one down. Oh, um, uh, sure. So, like, that's... I, I haven't been watching, like, too many of the videos and stuff like that. I uh, just haven't been around. Uh, but the one that I did catch uh, was uh, a little interview with Lindsay Morgan, who said that we have to look forward to um, some interactions with Murphy, and she got a little cagey about that. Which and interesting, Echo. <laughs> and Echo as well, which also it piques my interest uh, quite a bit, um, right? Because we still don't know enough about Echo to like sort of really. We know that she gives a fuck about Bellamy, and that's it. Everyone else is sort of a wild card; they don't really know her, and Bellamy doesn't even know her that well. But of them, they you know they know each other the best. So I'd be kind of curious uh, to see where that goes. You know, little. Space space friendship, maybe more, who knows? Um, but I'm also really excited for the the Raven and, and Murphy stuff just because they have great history and great chemistry on, on, on screen. But Bubs, you know way more about the shit that's been good. <laughs> um, I did watch, I think, at least one interview from everybody. So I think I have like at least a few tidbits that I thought were interesting. Um, I think, like, from your point, it is definitely, um, they have not been definitive. They're, like, six years have passed, so things could have changed, you know? There were two couples went up there, like, are they still together? And that question specifically was asked by Monty, but he also thinks Harper is his lifeline. So, I mean, it's still six years, and they're, like, Yeah, it's six years, and they're kids. So, I... I think we're, like, prepared for anything, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of like romantic musical chairs, question mark, or just <laughs> one big orgy. Like, I think... I mean, you know which one I want. Yes. And or just, I like, a collective farm. <laughs> exactly. And we can talk about that with The Expanse. Like, yes. maybe there are, like, you know, genetic uh, hodgepodge salad babies or whatever um that happen on the ark we don't know who any of your dads are babies on space who knows <laughs> um yeah and so the other thing they talked about um i think that there's going to be like different looks for the characters which was discussed and marie kind of blabbed about potentially having a shaved head which she's the be best re- spoiler ever. Like, oh my she God, just comes so into bad. interviews and just spoils everything. Literally, this is how it went down. So she goes, oh, yeah, Octavia will have an interesting look. Um, Jason has this idea. Do you want to share Jason? And he goes, no, I do not want to. And then two seconds later, Bob's talking about how he can't grow a beard, so he probably won't have a space beard. And Octavia goes, oh, well, maybe you can take the clippings from my shaved head and use that as a beard. And I was like, well... There we go. Um, Which is like, if you saw the TV Guide interview from her last season, before we knew about space happening, or unless you read the spoilers, um, it came as like a huge shock to a lot of people because Octavia in the interview was like, oh yeah, Octavia's not going to go to space because, you know, she didn't like that. She's not going to go back there. And I was like, oh, well, nobody was talking about space until you put that out there. <laughs> you, you're Good the job. one who brought up space, dude. <laughs> Literally the biggest spoiler for, like, the whole season. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, so 
there there are going to be different looks. And then the other thing was, um, I think Bob Morley kind of in interviews seemed to struggle with the idea of like having to figure out where Bellamy is now. And he read the first um, script. So it kind of, it seemed like he read that. And I mean, I'm having flashbacks of season three and him talking about like having to figure out how Bellamy went into like the Grounder Massacre. So I'm hoping that it, like it does come together and feel true to the character, um, like that scene did initially. Um, but yeah, I think we should be prepared to have characters who seem very different and maybe unrecognizable <laughs> to us. And I don't know how I feel about that, but I guess we'll see, and it might be interesting. I guess we'll, let's find out. Yeah. Um. And then <laughs> the sizzle reel, which Joe thought was very cheesy and laughed did at. I? I think did you not in Slack? You're saying, uh, or who was it? I mean, it was a little cheesy. It was a little cheesy. I mean, <laughs> meanwhile, I, I, well, I cried through the whole thing. <laughs> no, my my issue with that sizzle reel was like you had it was told as like a fairy tale with like a mm-hmm. little girl. You know, obviously this is supposed to be Maddie, and she's supposed to be talking with Clark. Except the the audio recordings of both of their voices were completely differently mastered, so they sound like they're in different rooms, like they're in different environments, yeah. and so it was just like, come on now, you guys, like a little bit of audio, like post production, like I think come that's on. fair. Yeah, I think that's fair criticism. Um, I think that like the cheese factor was definitely there, but I ate that shit up. Um, because it does remind me, like you know, like season one was my favorite season, and I think it's because it was like a little bit happier and fun. More fun, at least. Um, and so... Man, you're going to be disappointed if you keep watching that show. I know, right? <laughs> what am I doing? Um, but yeah, what else? Oh, so there's going to be three new characters in terms of, like, the prison story. It's another thing we know that they're supposed to be, like, really awesome. I guess we'll find out. Um, and then the other thing Oh, was... and the prisoners are supposed to be from our time. Like, yes. from the recent time. Like, pre-apocalypse They were asleep for 100 time. years in space, traveling. So, yeah. so they're going to come back and be like, the fuck just happened? Exactly. So that'll be interesting. Um, and then, of course, in the bunker, they're actually trapped down there because of everything that collapsed on top of them. So Jason was talking about, like, the psychological difference between being underground and knowing you have, like, five years versus being underground and not knowing what that timeline is. And so I think think that things are going to be actually very dark and i mean i'm that's voting really, for cannibal crew <laughs> <laughs> that's a really interesting um an ironic sort of turn of events where mm-hmm. you're like now your problem is that you want to get out of here and you can't whereas There's, before your problem irony? was uh, you wanted to get in you didn't want to get out of there well, it's kind of they're very possible. much the mountain men now of like we want to get out except they could get out their bodies aren't the ones keeping them in there you Mm -hmm. know it's obviously environmental but and they weren't (laughs) like on they weren't on a clock whereas if you're trapped inside a a bunker there's only so much or there's only so long you can go uh, i assume because they said like we had enough resources for like five years or so they're gonna eat people they didn't really plan for like more than that so yeah, it's going to be interesting. Do you think there's going to be cannibalism, Shaheen? Uh, I mean, at this point, I'm not really that excited about cannibalism. I mean, I I assume that's what they already did on the Ark. Didn't they already, like, reconstitute people into food? I mean, you'd think that they would have had to. Well, 
I mean, at least, like, do mm-hmm. something. I mean, I feel like, yeah, floating the bodies is kind of uh, a waste Well, of- you have to, like, in a closed system like that, you would at least have to, like... Fertilize. Desaturate the body and take any kind of moisture out of it that you could get. There's it's what I always think about. Anyway, so this is anyway. an expanse episode. <laughs> All right. Are we done, Bubs? Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. What, what, is anyone this drinking is anything? This is Dead stuff. Hmm? What is that about? Is Jaha Oh, Dead? because he's not coming back as the main character, so... And there's, like, the way that it was talked about, like, I feel that there's a potential that he will be killed and we'll see that in flashbacks. Huh. So you don't think he's making that out of the bunker? I don't... I think that, like, maybe we're going to have, like, a similar situation with Octavia up in on the Ark where people can't have children underground because, again, it's, like, a stressed environment and maybe somebody does and instead of killing the child or punishing anyone because of whatever this environment is, Jaha kills himself and gives... The kid that's his. his that's his redemption arc. That's my my head cannon. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Calling it right now. Um, yeah. Before we get into the expanse, is anyone drinking anything? Yes. What are you surprisingly drinking after yesterday? Um, I have a latte. Ooh, blonde. That I will follow up with a Bengali six point. Uh, is 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 the lefe the the blonde or the brown? Of course. <laughs> I mean, no, I like both, but blonde. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, it's really hard to find the brown. Uh, it is. It is. Agreed. Mm. That I was, am that was drinking... me cracking. Ooh. Shaggy, oh, wow. what are you drinking? What was? Oh, uh, I was just going to say, I'm drinking some classic microwave tea <laughs> and, and cookies. Some, like, fake Oreo cookies. Oh, you mean biscuits? Like, are they Hydrox? With your tea? What's Hydrox? Garbage, Hydrox? not real Oreos? No, oh, some, I, I don't. I don't think it's that's what it's called, but some something like that. It's like some Aldi brand Oreos. Snack rolls. Um, <laughs> Shaheen know. is watching his figure. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I have plenty of other mind altering substance available here. So. Oh, don't brag. <laughs> don't don't you worry. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, what are you drinking, Joe? I'm being the most basic one among us and drinking a uh, blackberry cucumber Lacroix. Shut um, up. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like I win, I win today's basic bitch award. <laughs> yes, it's not me for once. <laughs> it's not you. Take Good that. job. Good job. Okay, let's talk about the show. All right, awesome. So, um, the expense. So yeah, like I said, we're talking about episodes one through eight. And what are you guys's overall takes? What do you think? Um, I was very surprised that it's such a big world. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at at the very beginning, it was a little hard because you were jumping from different storylines. But I thought that they did a really great job of, like, trusting you to understand it. And it it kind of did just, like, roll out nicely where it felt like a very big world but still so connected because you could see, like, something would happen here. And then you'd have, like, the Belters talking about how they're purposefully withholding water. And you know that that's actually not kind of what's happening, although maybe on a grander scale is what's ha- And so, like, it's, I don't know, it was very interesting in terms of world and scale in a way that still felt, like, digestible, which I thought was, like, one of its best features as a show. Yeah, I, I-, I agree. I felt like um, there was a lot of um, narrative immersion uh, in, this, in the sense of, like, you were just kind of thrown into this world and... Mm-hmm. 
Um, the story was kind of introducing things to you. There were a lot of times when a lot of lines that were kind of obviously um, for us, as mm-hmm. it were, like them explaining to each other why the, the belters are uh, taller or, you know, mm-hmm. skinnier or whatever, which they obviously know already. Uh, but that's th- just for us. But for the most part, the story wasn't trying too hard to explain everything to you. Um, a lot of times I felt like um, they were just talking about something that I didn't even know about. And that's how it would naturally happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would gradually you would, you know, figure out what that was. So I like that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, if it gets excessive, you get lost and you get you stop yeah. watching. But so they held it together nicely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a well, difficult balance to have like enough to for it not to be like, a, you know, uh, here is a planet series and these are the facts about series and you know mm-hmm. and then you know um, like that but at the same time it's not too complicated that you get bored so I think they hit that right balance there well so so this is you know like us recording this I rewatched uh you know I'm kind of basically just doing a rewatch of this show yeah and the first time around, I was like, I actually walked away from the show. I had to yeah. come back to it because the first like people say that like it takes to episode four or five before like, you know, I guess when they when they take out the Martian ship, um, you know, and the and the crew goes on the Rossi or whatever, like people say that that's when, you know, you really jump into the story and stuff. But honestly, for me, and even on a rewatch, while it was more digestible and more um cohesive of a story i still kind of felt like i didn't really really care until about episode eight when they find julie now that you say that joe that is totally true i completely forgot that the first time around i did struggle to get into it um i know that a lot of people were talking about it on twitter especially like this was like right when the hiatus started and we were all kind of floundering (laughs) so i saw a lot of people talking about it i was like oh fine fine i'll watch it and it did, it did take me, and I don't even, honestly, I don't recall the moment that it did suck me in all the way. Um, but on rewatch, I did really appreciate the way that the world was built. Um, yeah, it, it flowed better on rewatch, though I still kind of have trouble not being a little bit bored with Miller until we get way later on because again like they build the story with like they build all three of these stories in some ways very very slowly Mm -hmm. um even though stuff is happening very quickly sort of the way that things are revealed to us like miller trying to find out about julie mao in sort of real time and you don't really know all the politics you don't really know all the players yes Mm -hmm. you are thrown into this sort of narrative immersion but at the same time it's like I, i it's it takes until episode eight until, again, Miller meets with the Rossi crew and you're like, oh, we're finally going to tie this together. Um, yeah. And so in some ways, like for me, while I'm glad that I stuck with the show, because, again, the pacing picks way up after that point, especially in season two, we're just kind of rocketing ahead. Um, it, it was hard to sort of grab me as to mm-hmm. why I should care about these intersecting storylines um but you know i'm I'm also perhaps just a much more lazy viewer than some <laughs> i mean i can relate to that yeah though i will say one thing that i appreciate about this show uh is the short fucking credits like none of this game <laughs> of thrones three minutes it's like psh, the expanse boom we're done like here's the name of the show let's they kind of gave us a long credit in uh in the pilot and then after that it's just like they bang. learned their goddamn yeah. lesson <laughs> yeah. um 
Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. I had no fucking clue what was going on the first time. At all. Um, and it's because, like, the, the, it gets, it makes it worse that there's, like, three different stories. Um, and it, even in, like, in each of these stories, I wasn't sure which character was supposed to be the main one. Um, which one I'm following. I guess, like, Miller is pretty obvious, but, like, um, uh, and Christian, I guess, to some extent. But there's all these other people. I'm like, should I know who these people are, too? Or Do I care then, about like, them? Are they evil? Some of them die. Yeah, and there's just, like, all of these things. Like, Miller's sidekick. Like, I wasn't sure how important that guy was. Yeah, what the... And, like, that... But, you know. Yeah. But, like, uh, so on rewatch, it, it really makes a whole lot more sense. Um, and you don't mind so much not caring about Miller. But I, at a certain point, like, I almost... I feel like it. Maybe you weren't really supposed to care about him all that much. I, I just I didn't find very much about him compelling um, until but, the story moves along. But like, like, it's still about the story. It's still not like like I don't. I wasn't drawn to his character. Um, it's just kind of like um, maybe I've seen too many like crime um, documentaries where you always have that interview with like the tired police officer with like the heart of gold that's haunted by that one case that he never solved. And so like from that, I was just like, I felt like I was watching that story happening. And except I was just with, like, like, we get it. Fucking You're really into a fedora. What? Except with like a weird haircut and a fedora. Who let that come back into style in the future? Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> but like what I did appreciate was that the way that they didn't, push his character so much onto you it was more about like what i felt rewatching, especially was you see like the world he lives in and that's kind of what mm-hmm. tied the storylines together more because you see like the people who are running out of water and how that's like such a big problem and like one of the main motivators um for what people are fighting over and then you see like um I don't know. To me, it, it like added to the world is watching him go from place to place and check up on these different things. Like it was more about like what that world looked like and not so much what he was really doing until think, that one point in the story. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the first few episodes where we see Miller, we his what he's doing, like we don't know enough about the whole Julie Mao situation to even give a shit about yeah. it. And so for the most part, you're like, oh, my God, we're back with this guy. On the one hand, yes, he does an amazing job of introducing us to this world because he moves through it. He's a cop, but he's also a belter. And so seeing sort of like the the prejudices that he faces as someone who I guess he got like, you know, bone density hormone, you know, because he was an orphan or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. you got to see all of this like world building that happened with him. Mm-hmm. But because the Julie Mao story was so slowly like pieced together until it sort of like comes to a head in episode eight you know i was like i don't care about his story like can he just like Mm -hmm. move through these worlds in like 30 minutes so we can like get back to the fucking rossi um (laughs) but then but then obviously his story becomes hugely important um so in in some ways i I have some i have some shit to talk about with with miller you know once we once we kind of get into these different storylines but i think shaheen in the notes you actually had something about how this is yeah, yeah, I'll, the I'll get worlds. to that. Um, yeah. I, I want to point out that uh, there's a general question as to how good of a MacGuffin um, Julia Mao was. Um, and this is, I think, what you were pointing out because it was the major MacGuffin for Miller, but it was also supposed to be the driving force for the other two main storylines. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, What's a MacGuffin? 
Oh, sorry. Actually, I just oh, I just sorry. had to look that up. Go ahead, Shaheen. Okay. Oh, so MacGuffin is um is a term that comes from Alfred Hitchcock, and um it's this uh, the idea that there's this thing that the character is really interested in, and they're after it. Um, but it's not really important what it is. It's not important why. Um, it's just that that's what drives the story. Um, and um, you know, like this comes up in different um context like in pulp fiction for example you have that little uh briefcase my favorite movie <laughs> you have that briefcase that when whenever they open it there's like a golden glow that comes out of it and it's never mentioned what's in the briefcase why it's so important um but that's what's driving the whole thing and all these people are getting killed because of it so that's called a MacGuffin. um and it comes from this story where uh like two people are sitting on a train and um one of them points to an object in the like the overhead where they put the suitcase and they're like and he's like what is that um and the other guy says that's a MacGuffin um uh, and he says what's a MacGuffin and he says something I forget what the answer is um did you find that Joe and <laughs> now that you looked it up <laughs> now, now there's like a story, story there's a standard story that's associated with this word he says something that's impossible like I don't know, deers in the mountains of Scotland or something. And he says, there are no deers in the mountains of Scotland. It's a Scottish surname said to have been borrowed by the English film director Alfred Hitchcock from a humorous story involving such a pivotal factor. Great, great definition there, Wikipedia. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so it's a thing. So, So yeah, and then he says, there is no such thing. And he says, oh, I guess it's not a MacGuffin then. Um, So um, You tell the best stories. (laughs) Anyway, so Joe Julie Mao is a perfect example of a MacGuffin. Um, it's this mystery that this detective is after, and it's not really important why or why he's so into it uh, or what yeah. you know. Um, yeah, and but so it's the the thing about the MacGuffin is that it still has to um, drag you in, um, and you have to have some sort of idea of like why your character is after it. Um, and so there, there's this, I just want to echo your sentiment that, um, it was unclear to me also. I didn't find Miller himself particularly boring or more boring than the other characters, but, um, I, 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 <laughs> I did caveat. have, I did have issues with how good of a MacGuffin Julie Mao was. Um, yeah. And like, because like, I wasn't sure if she was supposed to be an important character, uh, or were we going to just find her dead eventually and it's just gonna be... I guess I wasn't even clear as to whether she was just a MacGuffin or she was gonna be an actual character that's maybe that was the problem <laughs> that's fair yeah and again we do we do find out how hugely important she is to the story but like for a while it's just kind of like I don't know he's like obsessed over some some girl and like uh shit what's the name of the guy who runs sort of the OPA faction on Dawes? Fred Johnson? No, no, Dawes. Dawes. Um, the dude from Mad Men? Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, like, that he was kind of like, you know, basically was just like, you're in love with her. And that's kind of yeah. all we sort of had. And I do think Miller is, but I, I do kind of want to get to sort of the, the religious implications uh, that they kind of set up with Miller um, yeah. later on. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, so uh, I just want to say... Um, before we get into the details, um, I, the sci-fi on this show is top-notch. 
Uh, I really like it. We've talked about... It looks about, good. Yeah, we've talked about lazy sci-fi versus, you know, inaccurate sci-fi and stuff like that. And this is an example where the sci-fi is both accurate and, I think, not lazy. Accurate in the sense that um, they, I think they really um, try to stay as close as possible to actual scientific facts rather than a make made up science for the world of the story. Um, but in any case, it's, you know, it's very detailed and I really like it. The whole, the whole zero G stuff is, is really awesome. Uh, zero G sex. <laughs> I know you have a problem with that, Bubs. And we'll I sort of did. But yeah, I'll talk well, about we, it in our walk. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, the water drops, the water drop scene where um, she brings the water drops close to her mouth and just absorbs them. It's just so awesome. Anyway, yeah. all the te- technical little things that happen uh, are great. There are like long scenes where it's just about like closing an air breach or, um, you know, something like that. And it's mm-hmm. really well done. No, there's um, great, like the, the bird for me stood out where you could see like how it was affected by the lower gravity. Um, yeah. And ha- that was really cool to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I did want to point out that, like, the show for, you know, since we we do talk about gender and representation and stuff often on our podcast, mm-hmm. um, the show is a sausage fest. Um, <laughs> like, on a, like at, at, especially, especially in the first season. The second season, they kind of, like, definitely bring in some more female characters. Though I will say what I find interesting about that is that while we do have three different storylines, which I would like you to sort of address, like, because you have some interesting notes about that, Shaheen. Um, we have the Earth storyline, the the Rossi storyline, and then the Belter storyline. And each one has, like, one, like, very central female character. Like, on Earth, we have Chris Jen. And then, uh, you know, the the, the Rossi crew, um, we, we have Naomi. Uh, and she kind of bosses all those boys around. And then we also have, um, I mean, we she's don't really meet her. She's not the captain, her. but she's the she's captain. She's not the captain, but she is the captain. Like, yeah. everyone kind of is like, no, she she knows. She knows. Like, they like, they all <laughs> respect her quite When they a bit. don't listen to his command and they're kind of, like, looking at her. Yeah. They're like, is that okay, <laughs> mom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then, and then for the for the Belter storyline, obviously we have we have Julie Mao. Even though we don't meet her, she is the driving force. Um, the what did you say, MacGuffin? The MacGuffin, of you will, if you will, of of the Belter storyline. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, while there's not great numbers of women on the show um, at this point, uh, they are extremely important in in that in each storyline. Mm-hmm. Like they're not just like there to be fridged, mm-hmm. if you will, or like there for like the men, like to move their stories I mean, I forward. Julie, arguably, you could argue that she's kind of like it's the idea of her that propels him on, but like I still <laughs> don't think it's like as it's nowhere near as you know some other shows just don't even try at all. And I'm very happy with like the female characters that we do have and that it does focus on. So I they really are have great female characters. Like they're all. I, I like them a lot. Like they mm-hmm. do a good job with them on this show. Like they're definitely not one dimensional. Um, but anyways, what what are these real life parallels that that you have marked down, Shaheen? Yeah. So um, I take it this is something that's probably obvious to many viewers, but it's still worth pointing out um, that the show has two layers, as it were, or you can always read it on two uh, interpretations. On one layer. It's obviously, as it pretends to be the future of our world, um, 
you know, in the 23rd century. Um, and insofar as it's supposed to be an extrapolation of our world, it's, it actually does a great job of doing that. So, you know, the Earth is way more advanced than it is now. Uh, then there's this uh, crisp new civilization on Mars that was created from the best of the achievements on Earth. So you don't have like uh, stuff hanging around from the old times, you know, crap that you have to deal with because you create it from scratch uh and then there is um you know the outskirts where you know things aren't as good and the conditions are harsher so it sounds like a great way to extrapolate it sounds like if we were to colonize the solar system that's sort of what kind of what would have happened um or what will happen if we do um at the same time though the entire show is on the other layer uh, an analogy for our current situation in the world where you know Mars sort of symbolizes the U.S. It's this new civilization that was created on the fruits of um, everything that was achieved in the old world. Both With a lot terms... of fucking guns and <laughs> nukes yeah, and uh-huh. everything. Very <laughs> exactly. Uh, very uh, powerful military uh, power. And, you know, it was created from uh, by ambitious people who... Um, left who promised a dream to their people like they promised yeah. terraforming on Mars they promised paradise and I think it's interesting that while the military kept getting built up they're still living under domes which we'll see like in later seasons that this terraforming thing that everyone was promised aka the fucking American dream is not quite uh, is still not within everyone's grasp yeah um, you mean on Mars yeah on Mars but like, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, we it, haven't it's seen like a, that yet, though. It is a very good analogy for the U.S. Like, if you think about like how much money we put into the military, um, mm-hmm. it's not dissimilar. <laughs> Which you could be putting the money into all of that terraforming shit, but you know, exactly. whatevs. Yeah, I think those are yeah. And then you know, so the entire Earth now symbolizes um, Europe or like colonial. the rest of the world. Like the Earth storyline? Well, the planet Earth... So if Mars represents the United States, then Earth represents Europe or the rest of the the world, um, minus the United States. The old world, as it, it were. It kind of and, is like Imperial Europe. Is that the right word to describe it? Uh-huh. Um, and then from yeah. there came Mars, and they sent out to get like raw resources from outskirts. Where... Yeah. Those outskirts are now trying to be their own people because they don't like the whole taxation without representation. Fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so then the outer planets are like, I guess, the Middle East here. um, Or, I don't know, um, the South, where, you know, the idea is that uh, they have the resources, but they always get the shittier shittier end of the deal. and there are all these groups there that, um, to their own eyes, they're just fighting for freedom, but um, they resort to these tactics that they say are their last uh, resort, but to these other civilizations that just looks like terrorism, or they label them that way um, because, you know, Optics. That's their way of deal with, dealing with them or whatever. So, and, and they have different factions. Some of them are 
you know, more extremist than, you know, the, the extremists. Um, and then there are, you know, there are the more moderate ones. So, uh, it, it creates a sort of nice, um, I would say somewhat obvious analogy, um, which works fine. And I would say that the show is not too preachy or judgy, or it's not trying to really take sides, although I haven't seen the later seasons, but, um, you know, we get to hear the different perspectives and yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> the commentary of the show is, is, I think, it's not super nuanced and it's not super in your face either, uh, but it's still interesting. And yeah. Awesome. Should we start about like, I guess, in the individual storylines? Yeah. Do sure. you guys want to start with the Rossi or Miller or Earth? Uh, well, uh, uh, I, I would say um, maybe we should start with Earth because I feel like I at yeah. least don't have as much to say about it Same. because yeah. it's not really until season two that Earth sort of becomes more of a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess yeah, maybe so like maybe we can do Earth and then take a break and then yeah. do the other two. Maybe um, just real quick, since I just realized that we sort of super duper jumped into this show without like giving any sort of explanation. Like, let me give like a like a two second. W- meanwhile, on the expanse. Um, so there's a group yeah, of people. Sorry, I was going to do that. But then, yeah. But, th- but then we got distracted. So the show opens. We're on a spaceship. That spaceship gets like fired out of the sky. Some people escape. Those people are captured by a Martian spaceship. That Martian spaceship gets fired upon, they escape again, and thus we have the Rossi crew. So they are the ones that that people think that they started all these explosions, that they're starting wars, and nobody knows what they're up to, and they're trying to figure out what the fuck happened to like their comrades, whatever. And then we also have whatever was happening uh, in the belt with Miller, which is some girl named Julie Mao, who's rich, her father is very important, she disappeared on a ship, and... Miller is trying to find out what the fuck happened to her and things get shady. And then Earth, I'm still not really sure. Earth is trying to figure out what the fuck is happening out in space, like very generally. Is that and, and preventing war because Earth and Mars are kind of yeah. tense with each other. And like the belt is threatening to like not give them, you know, any resources that they're mining. And then they're threatening not to give the belt any water. So it's more of a power struggle with Earth and everyone else i think is kind of the earth storyline yeah and and how it's kind of like isolated but they're kind of it's like almost like earth is trying to rule from a little ivory tower and it's like not working so well yeah exactly um so i guess if we get into the earth storyline um bubs what did you what did you think about it um Right when you said that, it, I realized that, like, I wasn't really following a lot of the storyline because I found it was just a lot of talking. <laughs> um, but what I thought was interesting was what I felt from it was, despite Earth being, like, the only place where they can go out and be without spacesuits and walk around in fresh air, it did feel like the most claustrophobic of the settings, uh, which I thought was interesting. And I think most mostly because the storyline is just politics mostly surrounding Christian. So it's just kind of like following her while she does her job. Um, And I think that that storyline would have sucked if she wasn't so awesome. Um, Yeah, she she makes it watchable. She So like, I thought what was special about her was that she's a gilf. 
Like she's <laughs> like she has this oh, like you're very have to explain that. What? She's a what? Um, she's a gilf. Like she's just so she has this like presence and like she's an she's older woman, but she's not like a dried up old like it's just they presented her so like I don't know how to explain it. I'm probably doing a bad job, but I just I thought now, that what her- is the word that you're using, gilf? You want me to it <laughs> <laughs> Grandmother, I'd like to Fuck. Yeah. Do you, do you agree with that, Shaheen? All right. Well, I, there's something here that I don't know. Do you no Go no? Ahead. Do you agree that she's that she, that that Christian is like a hot old broad? You don't see that a lot. Yeah. I mean, what are your feels on her, Shaheen? Um. So, as a character, no. I mean, do you find her? Do you find her guilty? <laughs> um. I think uh, sh- I think she's all right. Um, <laughs> the the thing is, like a lot of these characters, like as a character, a lot of them are um, made so realistic that um, it's hard to be like, yeah, this is this character is awesome. But the because it's good flawed? that they're realistic, you know. Um, like you find them to be so realistic that like in their in their flaws but then that makes them what like unappealing to you no no th- it's just that um you know it, it's not like any of these characters are superheroes or anything or they have any even like they're like badasses to any um sort of unrealistic degree Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, so, and that, that's just the, the MO of the show and that's, you know, so when, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question though. <laughs> it was, you, you carefully I mean, danced no, around not, not answering but... <laughs> it. Like the, the question point blank was, do you find Chris Jenna MILF? But you know, apparently we're too, oh, you're going to, you're going to okay. take, I, well, I Gilf because she's Gilf. older. I'm like, what a no, it's Gilf you... with a G. She's a grandmother. So Gilf a with a G. Mil- but oh, like, like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh my God, well, Shaheen. <laughs> Shaheen doesn't spend I enough time on the internet. Clearly I haven't gone that deep into the porn world. I mean... <laughs> Well, we all know what you're doing with the rest of your Sunday. Answer the fucking, <laughs> answer the fucking question. Like, I just clearly, my uh, click depth isn't, you know, <laughs> deep enough. So, um, right, no, I, um, yeah, no, I mean, she's good looking. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, confirmed. We all agree that she is gilfy and or milfy. Like, I want to wear all of her clothes, like all of them. When she was like, when she went to go visit Holden's mom, sorry, oh the guy who now captains the Rossi, like who grew up on a commune, it's a whole fucking thing, went to go we'll visit talk. her mom, his mom, walking through like a snowfield <laughs> in a cape with like dripping in costume jewelry, like to go see this bitch on her farm with like her crystals and her rings and her dangly earrings and her furs. Right? And you're like, you know what? Do it. Just, and yeah. so she's supposed to be Indian, right? Uh, I think she's a like in real life she's Iranian. Well, sh- yeah, she's Iranian, but in the show she's supposed to be Indian, right? Is she? I don't know, just vaguely. Her and husband is Indian. 
Well, maybe she's. I don't think could that she be Iranian on the show, it. though. And her son, and her outfit isn't her outfit Indian. I would not know. It looks like it could be. <laughs> it looks like, but like, I am not an expert. General like world ethnicity of the future, if that yeah. makes sense. So yeah, in real life, she is Iranian, and she's uh, she in fact had a whole career in Iran. Um, before, Are you familiar with before the going to, to the UK and then to the United States? Um, yeah, so she made a name for herself in Iran, and then now look where she is. So Vancouver. Uh, there's actually a second Iranian actor on on this show. Who is it, Cass? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna have Cass to like Amor, talk about his AKA accent Alex. later. Alex. What? Oh, we're yeah. going to have to talk about his accent when we get to the Rossi storyline. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll save that. Yeah. Um, so anything about Earth? Uh, I liked your note about printed books. I thought that that was interesting. That like, yeah, printed yeah. books apparently are not a thing. That was uh, a nice touch. Future. I liked that. They were like, man, I haven't seen printed books for centuries. And I was like, that's cool. One thing that I thought was really interesting about the storyline is the idea that um, there's basic living assistance for everyone on Earth, which kind of is an interesting way to explain sort of the the confluence that we're experiencing now of automation and like, what do you do with like unskilled labor? Like, like if we're talking about like fast food workers, for example, there's absolutely no reason why, you know, in the next 10 or 15, 20 years, um, those jobs won't be automated. Uh, you know, to to you know, take an order and make a burger or something like that. Obviously, that's not like chef quality there stuff. There are vending but, like, machines that make make pizza. Exactly. So, like, <laughs> we're definitely moving into that direction. It's sort of, well, what do you do? How do you, ra- how do you deal with a population? Because there are going to be people who are unskilled. There's going to be people who, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, lack the time, lack the education, lack, you know, whatever, that this is like the best that they can hope for in terms of employment, in terms of, you know, providing for themselves. Well, what do you do when those jobs are taken away? Um, and that basically it's everyone on earth gets this sort of basic living income um, to sort of take care of, you know, the very bottom, you know, tier of 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 people um and then but but there's still because of course people can't all be equal uh you know then there's this class system of okay well if you are worthy if if you have connections if you are educated or provide something or you know can get your foot in the door then you have the option of becoming uh you know a, a higher paid position and the higher you go you know obviously like the more perks you get like obviously christian with her fancy jewelries is not um, the same as, you know, someone who's just living on, you know, whatever sort of the world government has provided them. Um, so this stuff about um, automation and stuff, they, they didn't mention anything about that, right? They just said basic income. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not too much of a leap, though, to say that there are that there's going to be massive unemployment in the future because... Well, we don't want to have, a, have a job. an economics podcast, but it kind of is a big leap to say that because um if you look at history um just you know a few decades ago about 90 percent of the population was employed in the farming sector and when people nowadays it's one percent so um you know like Mm. you could have asked what's going to happen to all these people when all the farming gets automated and the answer is they'll find other things but they don't that's That's why we have no, that's, that's what our election has shown. And- 
is, you know, the most recent, you know, allegedly, if we're if we're going to be believing, you know, a lot of these people's reasons is that there is huge unemployment in rural areas, that there that there are no jobs, that if Walmart leaves, they nobody has work. Um, so I, I don't think it's a it's a huge leap to say that automation and efficiency uh, doesn't contribute to mass unemployment, you know, 300 years in the future. All right. Well, like I said, we don't want to have an economics podcast, but um, <laughs> that's not what the majority of economists think. All right. So, um, so should we move on from Earth? You want to talk about another one or should we take a break? I'm cool either way. So feel in the room. Just feel in the room. Uh, let's keep going. Like, fuck it. All right. Let's talk about um, Rossi. Sure. All right. So I keep one. I keep calling their their ship um, reconnaissance. <laughs> so uh, it's called what? Rocinante. Rocinante yeah. from um, um, Don Quixote. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so those are uh, probably like the main, most relatable crew uh, on the show, right? Um, and. They have, yeah, I like what you're saying about this, Bubs, uh, about their dynamics. So do you want to explain that to us? Yes. Let me get to my bullet points because I completely <laughs> forgot what I was talking about. Um, yeah, I did. So I really like that the way the way that the characters are in, it's like the same as what I was saying before of how they introduce the world. I think it's very similar. They did that very similarly with the characters themselves of that crew. Um, and... I liked especially the way that they developed them. Like, I know you guys know my pain, point, pain points for the 100 season four and parts of season three um, with characters being separated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one of the things I really liked about how The Expanse did character growth, especially like of dynamics, I think a great example is when they are getting interrogated by the Mars fleet. And they're taken by themselves um, and told details about their fellow crew members. And it was, like, such a great way to show, first of all, like, what they think of the other people as a baseline. And also, like, how what is told to them challenges what they think about those people. Um, And then what they do about it and how it's eventually resolved and um, becomes part of their development being um as a more cohesive group so like despite being a scene where they were not with each other um i thought that it was very effective in like telling about each individual one like you see like the loyalty um of the characters that had a lot of loyalty to begin with like um amos obviously um but also holden um i thought that that was very cool and um i like how by the time we get to that scene where um they're trying to get the the code words to um, get that ship off their back. Yeah, that's um, my favorite scene. <laughs> it's so good. But like, so you see them at that point, they have their role down, you know, like um, Naomi's doing like the smart stuff that she has to figure <laughs> out. Um, what's his face? Alex is like bullshitting on the radio being like, oh, we're, we're getting there. And then um, Holden's like being like the... I guess, like, when, maybe I don't know what he was doing. That was, like, the only one um, 
He is being just like the captain, I guess. Um, but Amos is like... Well, he's trying to hold it together and like keep the... The um, morale. He's a cheerleader. <laughs> keep the more extreme factions from flying away. Oh, yeah. No, that... So then Amos is like, I'm going to go work on plan B, <laughs> which <laughs> I thought was like so perfect for... I know that, Shaheen, you have issues with this character, but like I kind of like... I think a lot of it does have to do with development. We'll see um, in the next few episodes. So I don't think it's completely fair of me to be like, oh, my God, I like him so much right now. Um, But (laughs) I did like that. The fact that like his um, morality is completely tied to Naomi. Like he has none without her and uses her as his like moral compass. Like literally. He checks with her. Yeah. And like and and the fact that everyone else knows too because after after that whole plan B shit, uh Holden goes up to Naomi and is like you need to get him on a fucking leash. Um yeah. you know, which is he doesn't go to Amos cuz he knows that him going after Amos clearly isn't going to do anything. Yep, exactly. But if he tells Naomi and Naomi like you can kind of see her being like A, I- I'm not his fucking keeper and B like well, shit, I guess I am. Yeah. You know, like it's this it's this weird thing of just like maybe she hadn't really realized what everyone else sees about their relationship, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's kind of like, yeah, they're together, but she doesn't feel like she has control over him. But according to everyone else and probably even Amos, mm-hmm. yes, she does. Yeah. Um Yeah. So anyway. for the most part, these uh characters were uh colleagues before this all, all this happened and they kinda uh I think we're supposed to uh, believe that they didn't really know each other much. I mean, they say this in, in one of the conversations. Um, and right. So like on Canterbury, uh, Holden was with that uh, navigator girl. Mm-hmm. I forget her name. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Anne? Abe? Ag- Aga? Her? Egg? Wait, was it um, Anne? I don't know. Wait, blonde I navigator I, girl. I could remember if um, I think about it. And, it something and, with an A. And, Amy? Yeah. Uh, Age? Uh, it started with some. Yeah, it started with A. Ade? Ade. 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 There, there you go. Um, so, yeah, Jim Holden was with Ade, and uh, Naomi was kind of doing her thing. So, I'm not sure if there was much chemistry or any sort of relationship between Naomi and uh, Amos at that point. Was there? Uh, no, I think that it's kind of established that, like, they come as a pair. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that that was kind of that they, I think that that was kind of the interesting thing about them all kind of by the end of all of this, like, coming together on the Rossi is that really only Amos and and Naomi, like, knew, had a, had a real relationship before. Like, I think yeah. everyone knew who who Holden was because he was sort of, like, what, third in command? Yeah. Um. On everything and then like took care of the drunk XO and like then, you know, basically became the captain. And so he kind of probably knew who everyone was, but nobody really knew who he was, you know, deep down in his heart. Yeah. Um, and then fuck if we know who Alex is. Then there was the other guy who got his head blown off like super early on. Oh, um, I was sad the about medic. that. <laughs> the medic. Um, well, you know, they, they yeah, were all. His name was shit. They, they were all full up on white guys. One had to go. Um, <laughs> and so. You know, it, it was definitely this sort of... Dude, they, that they, is not okay. What? <laughs> what you just said. What? All right, moving on. <laughs> We're all full up on white guys? Uh, and one of them has to go? That's not okay. 
I mean, eh, eh, All right. I don't miss him. Um, but the fact that they sort of like had to discover this chemistry and discover this sort of loyalty between them because they were going to be loyal to each other. Fuck the Mars crew that captured them. Um, mm-hmm. And that sort of like very quick uh, f- familial bond that sort of created. Mm-hmm. But like it wasn't there yeah. yet, which is what I like. Like it, it very much got solidified with these events that were happening and seeing each other react to them, and that they could mm-hmm. kind of like they found their trust and their um, the swing of things in their group, I guess, um, which was nice to see. So one thing that I did want to bring up and get your opinion on Shaheen is is as I was watching last night's episodes, uh, you know, getting caught up to episode eight, like I had an epiphany that A, Miller is Jaha, but B, that means that the crew of the Rossi then would be Murphy. Um, so yeah, and so I wanted I was to get your thoughts about on that. this. I wasn't sure how you were drawing this analogy. So the entire uh, Rossinanta crew is supposed to be. The positive nihilist? Kind of. I mean, definitely more Holden than anyone. Um, Uh But, you know, we'll kind of, like, lump them together because they're kind of on this journey together. Uh Uh-huh. What is a positive nihilist? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you listened Uh, to our podcast. So, back in the day, I I introduced this analogy for um, Jaha and Murphy. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't listen to the podcast, Bubs, do you? I do, totally I swear. <laughs> I, I just have ADHD. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> um, yeah, so the idea was that Jaha is the knight of faith. And um, so that would, you know, I'm taking these from famous existentialist thinkers like uh, Kierkegaard and Nietzsche. Um, mm-hmm. So the knight of faith is from Kierkegaard. Um, and the idea was that Jaha symbolizes that. And the positive nihilist is a concept from Nietzsche. Um, and I was, you know, trying to compare Murphy to that and they follow the same path often, but with a very different attitude. Um, and they, you know, they might look similar from the outside, um, but they actually live life differently. Um, and their relationship to the world around them is different. So it's interesting that. In this um, other story, too, these two groups are kind of following the same path or going in the same direction, ending up in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I take it your point is that they're doing so with very different attitudes. One is just trying to save itself. Mm-hmm. One group is just people are just got into this mess and they're just trying to figure out what the heck is happening and just trying to save themselves. Um, the other one has some kind of faith that, you know, he can, he's after something important he's going to find something great or, you know, um, yeah. So I like it. Yeah. You, you approve <laughs> of my, of my, of my, you know, midnight, stoned theory of like my (laughs) my revelation i was like shaheen's gonna be so proud of (laughs) Um, but 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 to also continue tying it in and remind me to talk about this as we get you know to our next episode about the expanse is much like the turn that we see murphy take 
where he kind of does sort of realize that he cannot be an island and that he does need to participate and try to save, quote unquote, his people. Um, mm. The crew of the Rossi also kind of, once they sort of get a few more answers out there, they are still trying to save themselves. But I do think that more so than Bur- than Murphy, they become... Uh, sort of accepting of their roles in sort of the bigger, bigger story and that they do have a responsibility to others in terms of like trying to save them from kind of what we're going to discover in the, you know, at the end of, of season one. Um, but, but I think for now, it's definitely that they are just trying to sort of like clear their names um, and sort of do things on their own and their path just ha- like the road on that just sort of leads them happenstance to Miller um, and sort of where, where his path is taking him. I actually found myself questioning that um, throughout these episodes. Um, to what extent are the reconnaissance... I'm not going to get this. The Rasananta people, to what extent are they just trying to... Um... So I, let me just say, put it this way. I always felt like on some level, they're not just doing this to save themselves. They're um, really want to get to the bottom of this or something, or they feel like something important is behind this. And if they just uh, take care of themselves, um, some bigger powers are in play and something uh, more, a bigger catastrophe is going to happen later um, that they could have prevented if they went behind the law or went uh, above the law because I always wondered, I guess this is to some extent a product of just uh, being a fictional story in a TV show, I guess, where you see a lot of lawlessness in this world to the point that is unrealistic. It seems like, well, at this point in the 23rd century, everything probably has a legal process. Like if someone punches you or kills someone that you like, there is a process. You go arrest them and, you know, whatever. Uh, you don't just go and take revenge. Um, you know, that's not how it works. So, um, these people, they after they got interviewed and, uh, or interrogated or whatever, and it was determined that they didn't do anything, they could have just walked, right? Uh, they could have, after the um, Doniger blew up, they could have uh, went and explained what happened. Uh, I don't see why they wouldn't have believed them. You know, they could have just said, look, we were on Doniger um, because of what happened to the Canterbury. And then they determined that we we're innocent. We were going to, they were going to let us go. And then we got attacked. Yeah, but who's going to believe out. them? Like, like I, they, yeah. they I mean, what's have survived. against them? You can't just arrest them for no reason. Did. There are laws. Like, there's no evidence against them. So they have to let them go. I mean, they are the survivors of two exploded spaceships like yeah but that's not evidence that's that I doesn't mean, fly in today's course i doubt that in 20 the 23rd century but how do you prove fly. that they didn't do it it doesn't matter they're innocent until proven guilty i mean are we sure that that's how the law works though like what if what if instead they have, have Napoleonic we law to pr- in space? Pr- like prussian prussian laws yeah. <laughs> yeah like sorry you're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent like mm, like yeah so it is unclear, like, how legally, like, what um, jurisdiction Mars had when it stopped them. But I think the reason why they they were so apprehensive was because they thought that they were, it was Mars 
that had blown it up. So that's right that that was the conflict. Um, and so- that kind of that theory kind of got refuted once they got on the Donager, right? Like how how so? What do you mean? Um. Well, so it, it kind of on the Donager they realize the Martians aren't actually, um, they aren't trying to pull anything either. Um, but they still don't know who did I it. I felt like I think that's the. Yeah. Yeah. They still I, don't know who did it. So they don't. Uh, but the they don't know who to trust. Well, and the fact that like. It looks like they, there's no way that they can take refuge on Mars because it looks like they possibly also blew up the Donager. Um, you know, Not they only can't that, but blamed it publicly on Mars, yeah. putting them in the hot seat with Earth and everybody yeah, else. It, yeah, so it was just kind of like, well, I guess they have to go to fucking Tycho Station um, and 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 try their luck there, and which I thought was an interesting way to get us there. And can we just, like, have a quick aside about Tycho and, like, that they are building a giant <laughs> fucking spaceship oh to send God. Mormons to the edge of the universe? Like, I don't... <laughs> and, like, when you see a shot of it and you actually see, what is it, like, the Archangel Gabriel or whoever the fuck? I don't know. Is it John Smith? I don't know who's, like, the little spire of statue. <laughs> this, like, gold bullshit, like, spearing through through space. Do you guys have that's, Mormon That's insane. Here, that's you? not efficient. That's not how it would be. <laughs> <laughs> this is your will, yeah, actually, yeah. not that. Have Mormon. you guys that's seen like Mormon actually. temples? I have. I actually. So fun story. Fun Joe story. Um, <laughs> back when I lived in New York, I our our office had a had a yearly Halloween costume, and I was very low effort, and I decided to go as a Mormon mi- missionary. <laughs> But I wanted to be authentic, and so I wanted all those pamphlets to hand out. So I, like, actually went to, like, the Mormon church in Manhattan, which is not there a small place. Is one? Where? And I know. It's massive. I want to say it's in Midtown, maybe? I um, know. It's huge. I look super gay. I come in there, like, <laughs> asking for, like, reading material uh, because I'm doing a quote-unquote school project or something. Um, <laughs> they hand them to me. Uh, and then, and then I actually won a bottle of booze at, at my company's Halloween party. So, you know, that is thanks amazing. Mormons. <laughs> Did you walk around with a bicycle? Uh, I, I carried my bicycle helmet. I had a short sleeve, uh, white shirt. I had all the pamphlets. Um, I had a more like a, a name you know, tag, what, a name tag, obviously. Um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, the Mormons would be proud. I'm sure that they, they would, they would be. not be proud. That's they would not be proud. I um, lied my way into their into their holy ground and <laughs> stole some pamphlets. Um, That's anyway. amazing. So that must have been the the lowest you have gone to take a Halloween costume. I I bet ah! she's gone lower. <laughs> 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 um, um. So bringing us back to um reality. Um. Fiction. Uh, I just want to point out that, uh, or not to to fiction. Uh, I just want to point out that's not the only thing that's being made on Tycho Station. Um, Tycho Station um, does a lot of operations and uh, creates uh, stations for other planets, and uh, also does this thing called um, asteroid spinning. Um, there is a lot of backdrop to this world. Like there is a lot of world building that's just touched on and not even explained. Um, there's this whole thing about asteroid spinning and uh, slingshot, 
you know, slingshotters. Yeah, you what was that? I missed all this. Yeah, I didn't understand the slingshotting. It just seemed like, like... Uh, I understand like, it because of Armageddon. Adrenaline junkieing? Like, I'm confused at to, as to what... Cause they, cause so Miller did was they use the horse slingshotter? I don't remember. On I just the meant, show? I just meant that, like... I thought you said they That did. when we saw Miller watching them yeah. do that, like, what was the point? I didn't really get it. Yeah, it's just it's like just a, an extreme sport, an illegal sport where they uh, basically sort of extrapolate a planet trajectory around a bunch of planets uh, or satellites and they, they're not supposed to course correct. Uh, so they just like it's like a slingshot. So they just shoot themselves into this orbit and they're supposed to go around a bunch of planets. Um, and often they they end up, you know, colliding and dying. But so, why? Like what? I... It's just a freaky thing to do. All right, I guess it gets boring in space. the 23rd century. Russian that's what it is. Space. That's awesome. They they don't have Sims to like create basement <laughs> worlds and like <laughs> to create meteors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like it's just like a bungee jumping of the 23rd century or something. Okay, so it's just adrenaline junkieing that will probably yeah. kill you in space. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Hey. Yeah. I don't know what people. So think. um. I, I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. So what? What about um, Rasananta? Like with with regard to Fred Johnson, or 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 in terms of how they sort of meet up with the Miller storyline? Because I think that that's kind of the sort of surprise is that like. We don't really know that these are going to converge until that episode where the Rosinante crew goes to the asteroid where Fred Johnson sent them, and then they board mm-hmm. the board Julie Mao's abandoned ship, right? Yeah. And then Anubis? see like, yeah, the Anubis and and True. Anubis, Anubis, whatever. <laughs> For fuck's sake! Anubis. And of course, in my head, I, I I read it as anus, which is not. <laughs> In any way helpful, of course. So, um, so you know, when then all of a sudden we see this like crazy ass blue shit, and we're like, "Whoa, what the shit!" Like, what did you think about that, Shaheen? Like, since you're, I like sort of stuff. I like the idea of um, the proto molecule. Um, We can probably talk about it in future episodes when um, we get to know more about it. But um, it's pretty cool. Again, it's like a nice little attempt at extrapolating what would be like the freaky thing in the 23rd century well it would be this thing that um is like a code um that can um capture biological organisms and use it to its own purpose so it's like a free-floating code so it's alley and this is why it pleases it's, you. Yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah. It's a crazy idea. I mean, idea. it's awesome when we find out more about it from what we see in these first few episodes. Like, it's the, st- the stuff of nightmares for me. Like, for, like flesh eating bacteria freaks me out. Yeah. It grows crystals. Comparison. But, like, the only thing I don't get about this proto molecule is like, how is this organism even, uh, you know, uh, like, how is this even a good organism? Like, it, it's not very mobile. It's not very, it like, 
I it mean, just it's, it's seems contagious. like it just sticks to places and it can't like move much. Yeah, but people and it can't, are dumb like, when it, and touch things that they should not touch. So fast. And like when it consumes humans, you would have thought that like it just takes hu- the humans and uses them as minions. But that's not what it does. It just kind of consumes them. And so what's the good in that? It's just going to be a lump of matter now. Well, have you no, seen but it does two? use them. No, I guess I haven't seen enough of season two. Yeah, so some shit happens in season two, which I still don't have answers for your questions, but but it definitely makes you go, ah, there's more to there's more to this proto molecule yeah. than it's, just you know growing rock crystals. Yeah, we should talk about that later. Okay. Yeah. Um. So here's a question that <laughs> Joe, you had something to say about. So what's up with the Martians with their eyes? Um. You know, in that interrogation scene, like that. Um. What's his name? The guy who ends up sacrificing himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he no comes in and for every one of them, he has a little crystal ball, like a little crystal drop that he puts in his mouth. And then his eyes start to go freaky. And what is that about? Are they cyborgs? Are they enhanced? I think I, if I'm remembering what you're talking about, it kind of reminds me of the guy that they picked up yeah. with the Rossi yeah, yeah. Who, who had like a recording device in his eye. And so right. I wonder if that's kind of what it was that obviously like they can, you know, cyber enhance themselves. And so like maybe it's like Google Glass, but like built in. Yeah, internal. <laughs> I guess. Um and like with that, did that little crystal thing? Did that give him like all their bio, all their like information and everything? Because as soon as they put it in his mouth, he was like eight parents, and you know, you did this, and like his whole history was in front of him. I mean, maybe like yeah, maybe it's like a weird little neural data thing. Yeah, it's just like all the little nuggets they're putting in there. Why? Why do you hate Amos? As I'm reading these notes. Why do you I not hate Amos? Fucking psychopath. Yeah, why like, do you... Like, as soon as he... As soon as he... Um, so, the scene with him, like, getting ready to kill the Martians, that's fine, whatever. But the... Uh, <laughs> the as soon as he started choking... I guess this is also for later episodes. He started choking uh, Miller. I was just like, yeah, this guy should just be uh, under... Like, he shouldn't be contained because he's too violent Confi- like, like confined to a safe room like a padded room so y- you think he's off leash like you think that he is too violent yeah it's just you can't like again this is maybe this is again just like it's a story you know but in real in the real world if someone did that for any reason if they started choking someone else um unless it was in self-defense i would then uh like you know restrain them from that point i think like you don't do that that stuff and i wouldn't be friends with them anymore i i mean okay (laughs) (laughs) you're not nice i mean i think that amos is 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 kind of a grounder in that in that sense if we're gonna tie things back like he is a much more um base human desires uh than than sort of everyone else like so if i came to your house and i started choking choking your one of your guests would you then still be friends with me in the real world 
Would you I, be like, no, um, but we but we live in different societies. Like, I think I think that. But this is the twenty third century. How that is doesn't this, mean like, that people are going to be like, like way more like his value to the group versus like what he would with the danger of having in there. I think that like. They don't, I mean, look at Holden. He's a weenie. I mean, he has beautiful eyelashes and I think he's kind of cute. But like, (laughs) he's not going to like mow down like a group of like, I don't know, space warriors. But Amos might. Amos gets the job done. Yeah. And so he, that is his role. And like, does he have like drawbacks? Yes. And I think that like we get into that more in season two as to like what his story is. Um. Dude, but. he's violently unpredictable. That's not a drawback. <laughs> That's a red fucking <laughs> like, flag. I guess I'm just not getting this. The whole like the the apocalyptic. Um. Well, it's like a car. You hit someone with a car fast this, enough, they'll die. Because um, we suppo- were to stop using cars. <laughs> I guess I'm uh, okay. just not getting like the urgency of the situation that requires someone who is like dangerously irascible um but to be in the like group they have time to switch up the crew though i feel like maybe if he was such a problem a bunch of times and this was just he like a just routine thing i don't know then maybe they'd be like oh yeah let's get someone who's not crazy but they don't have that luxury they're on the lamb like he's the one who's gonna get his hands dirty yeah like, it's it, morally morally i agree it is he is not at this point that we have seen him a good person, um, especially because he does not seem to have any morals. Um, he seems to sort of figure out what needs to be done in the most efficient way to quote unquote save his people. Um, yeah, which and- horrifies other people sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And it has to be explained to him why that's not. Really, the why right we thing don't to kill do. everyone? Yeah, exactly. Um, Though it makes things the f- easier, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, it's faster. We get it, but you know, maybe we don't kill everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I can I can understand why you hate him now, um, but I think I don't. I can't promise that you're going to like him more as the show goes on. But I I do think that he sort of represents this. You know, the the deep dark you know un unmoored parts of our psyche of like you know kill or be killed yeah. and he kills mm-hmm. because he's big i guess i should just try to suspend my all of my assumptions about where this is taking place like like i said this is not happening in a post-apocalyptic world or in a lawless part of the world um it's kind of but isn't space I, I, a little I, My understanding is that, you know, there's like um, the United Nations has complete grip over all of its territory. And, you know, there's laws being enforced. There's not like, you know, Wild West or anything. So no, but think I guess it- I need to just think of it as the wild west because like here's the thing like when you got into a city there was a sheriff there was law when you're out in the plains like you can kill a fucker and like no one's gonna find you necessarily (laughs) like i think that that's sort of the argument of like once you get outside of you know the big stations or earth or mars where there is accountability um law sort of can break down 
uh, and it becomes a lot more primal. I think that 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 is not necessarily a surprise. Mm-hmm. Or if they were maybe like if they were in a situation where like everyone was acting crazy and just like every man on their own or, you know, everyone was getting violent um, or at least not everyone, but like people on multiple people are getting violent, um, then maybe it would be different, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to shut up about this now. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that the way that he is is like actually a storyline that comes up so i feel like from that perspective it might be more interesting for you yeah it is interesting that the way that they set up the relationship between naomi and amos on the one hand and naomi and jim um i like that you know naomi and amos have this relationship that kind of is understood by everyone to be non-sexual and non-romantic but yeah, somehow it's like a mentorship type of thing. Or and then Naomi and Jim, they there was a lot of tension between them at first. It was like more of a rivalry between them in terms of who's the boss on the ship, um, who Cody makes the, the better decisions. Uh, but then it turned yeah. into it turned out that was sexy tension. Uh, have we gotten? I don't think we've gotten to sexy tension. Spoiler alert! For At this fans. point, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I would say that like there are glances, and we can look back to these glances. Um, but I feel like not to be. I feel like Naomi kind of has sexy tension with everyone. Like, let's be real. Um, as as we move <laughs> along, does, I definitely, yeah. we definitely see her in other places, and you're like, they would do her. Okay, but like. I think I know what scene you're talking about, and that scene made her hooking up with Holden confusing for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we'll get to that in probably the next episode or the one after, um, in terms of our podcast recording. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll explain more about sexy Naomi, um, who she yeah. is. She's pretty sexy. I would say that she is the sexiest person on the show. I'm going to go out and say it. <laughs> All right. No? No takers? Who's right. not a gilf? Who's not a gilf? Oh, yeah, no, definitely not a gilf. It's true. I mean, I don't know. She so, looks- I don't what's your problem with Alex's that. accent? Oh, my issue with Alex's accent is it is the worst. A, why would a Martian have a southern accent? And B, because it's Mars a terrible US, southern accent. And everyone's, huh? Mars is the U.S., like, it represents the U.S., and, like, everyone outside of the U.S. thinks that we all have southern accents. Have hillbilly accents. <laughs> oh. So that's what it is, in my opinion. <laughs> Like, it's just, it comes out of nowhere, it doesn't happen all the time, and it's like a bad, like, foghorn, leghorn style, like, southern accent. And so it's just like, it it takes me out of his character. Like, there's absolutely no reason. And he's he's Iranian-Canadian. So So there's, so is that an excuse for He's totally faking the whole thing. Ah, it's it's so bad. Like, there's no need for it, character-wise. Like, there's absolutely (laughs) no reason for it. Um... So, yeah, I'm sorry to cast whatever his last name is who plays Alex. I like Alex. That fucking accent, though, buddy. Like, who <laughs> who greenlit but that? But they do seem to kind of be playing with accents in the show. Um, like, Oh, yeah, the Belters with their like, sort of, like, Creole sort of... Irish? Yeah, but then some of them have, like, again, that guy, what is his name? Doss? Mm-hmm. He, doesn't he have, like, a British accent? 
he he is British, but he also does adopt that like Creole that, that you yeah. hear from the Belters. So he has like a British Belter accent. I mean, but at so, least it's so, not terrible. Like at least I believe it. So you can think of uh, well, because- Alex's accent as like a Southern Martian accent. <laughs> <laughs> It's future that southern. That is what southern Mar- Martians sound like. I, you know, my bad. My bad for being so uh, culturally close-minded. You know, my favorite story about the actor that plays Alex is, so, you know how he's, like, kind of pudgy on the show? He's wearing a fake belly. Because, oh, like, my God. Is he Fat Apollo? <laughs> yes. Yes, he's Fat Apollo. Um... I, I think it's the character itself, like, in the – because there's books, I think. Um, I'm remembering this from very vague conversation that I had, I think, in Twitter direct messages. Um, but he hates wearing it. But his character is kind of, like, I think going along with, like, the southern accent. He's, like, kind of laid back, like, not um, – he's not, like, a corporate type. Like, that's why he. But, like, couldn't he have had, like – a surfer, like, shaka bra, like, kind of, like, <laughs> like, I would have accepted more of, like, a laid-back California coast accent than I would whatever this occasional southern yeah. accent is. <laughs> but I guess that would have made sense, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I think it's funny that so he, he wears a belly and I didn't suit. know. I thought that was just him. <laughs> well, I want to poke it. Um, Me, too. So I have one real question about okay. the whole... Canterbury situation, and then we take a break. Okay. So, who planted the stress beacon on the scopuli? It was the scopuli, right? That they they went to find, and that's when Canterbury got attacked, and they found this stress beacon that then Naomi later looked into, and she said, this has to be Martian. Right? So, who planted that? Is it Julie? We find out because it was though, Julie's right? voice. Do right? we find she out? She was the one on the tape saying, "Please help," right or not? I think that what happened was it was a plant so that somebody would find it, so then it would spread, and it was like a test. Is what I thought is what happened. Yeah. So that what would spread? The proto molecule. The proto molecule. Yeah. No, no. I'm just talking about the stress beacon. There was no proto molecule in that, was there? No, it wasn't. Wait. Am I getting that mixed up? I thought God, that... there's so many goddamn spaceships. <sighs> Just the the first space the first spaceship that they visited that then they um then the Canterbury blew up. Oh right. Uh, my um, on that my spaceship, mm-hmm. there there was something similar because there's like everyone turned you know they turned down the power and everything. They were asking all the same questions they asked on the Anubis, um, but. They, they they didn't find any proto molecule as far as I know. They just found this stress beacon. I thought um, that they did that, though. They saw it in the um, the nuclear reactor, but they had to leave. Like they got called off because they thought they were being attacked by that ship, so they were interrupted. Uh-huh. I think they eventually go back to it. Wait, so that, does that mean that Julie was in? She Wait. remember she escaped that ship. I'm very confused. I think ship. she was she was definitely in the Anubis. Right? That's when the first the very first thing that we see in the pilot is Julia escaping from the Anubis. Yeah. And she goes to that 
place where the protomolecule is and she screams. So she was definitely on the Anubis. Now, was she, she was supposedly on the Scopuli. Well, so she took the little ship from the Anubis to mm-hmm. that place where we find her, basically. Yeah, like uh, no, she parked the Anubis in that rock, in that asteroid. She parked the Anubis there. I don't know how she ended up in that hotel. Well, she took she took a a a small pod from there from the ship Anubis One A. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, Yeah. I don't know. So now I'm talking about the Scopuli, where it seems like it's her voice. I don't know. Maybe it's not her voice. It's all, yeah, I think that that's kind of my issue with the show is that the first five episodes, everything is so muddled that, like, even on rewatch, it's still kind of hard to keep track of. And you kind of just, like, go, okay, some crazy shit happened. Let's move on with the story. You know what I mean? Like, you just kind of, like, hand wave whatever happened there and just be like, well, some crazy shit happened. But the important thing is Julie got out and now there's a proto-molecule. Like, I, the fact that we are still kind of unclear on this, I think, is, is... Sort of like a little bit of a an, a, a cautionary tale, and not that anyone from the show will ever, you know, listen yeah. to this. But just like, <laughs> hey, we're still a little confused. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Glad we glad we settled right. that. <laughs> Want to take a break? Yeah, I have to pee. So let's switch to the rest of the story. Miller, uh, the whole Julie Mao stuff, and yeah, series station. So what do we think about this chunk of stuff? I guess we said a little bit. You guys were bored. <laughs> um, it, Miller it is was boring. boring the first time around because like the rest of it is like cool space stuff, and then this is like hard boiled detective. And I was like, but but I want to watch, but but cool space stuff. And I'm like, and he's just you know he's thinking and he's and he's and he's he's pondering and he's putting his fingers on his lips and he's playing with his facial hair and he's running his fingers through his weird shaved head and he's you know he's having thoughts and feels and falling in love with Julie Mountain. I'm just like, I just, I don't know if it was the actor. Cause I don't think that the actor did a bad job. Like, I just don't know. Maybe it was miscasting. Maybe it was writing. I I don't know. I'm still, it's still not until episode eight that I give two fucks about Miller. Yeah. I think it's just, he's such a, even though he has other characters um, that he interacts with, namely the one guy that like, what was his storyline? Question mark. Um, dating the hooker with a heart of gold. Another cop, like typical, <laughs> thing. a lady cop, like the lady cop that he dated. Yeah, but Octavia. Then, like, I love also, her. Yeah. she's awesome. Yeah, she was great. Um, I don't think we get enough of her. Um, but he didn't really. It didn't feel like he was rooted in anything, which just kind of made his story sad. And for me, like, I definitely do not gravitate towards the sad stories because I, I have the emotional capacity of a teaspoon. So like, I was and it's like, too much sad. Next. So yeah. here's here's what I've kind of figured out, like, just now this sort of came to me is who he's, like, trying to be, but he's not. He's trying to be Bruce Willis from The Fifth Element in this, like, <laughs> reluctant, gruff cop who gets Corbin roped Dallas. into this crazy bullshit. Mm. But there's not... He's not um, as exasperated enough. He's too depressed. Well, he doesn't have his Lilo to bring out, like, the sass. Well, his Lilo is covered in crystals in some flop house on a different station that he'll exactly. discover. That there's um, no, like, interact. Like, it's all very He doesn't have a dry. cat. Like, he occasionally sees, like, a weird hummingbird outside, but he doesn't have, like, a cross-eyed <gasps> cat to make about? you love him. <laughs> I um, felt like that was, like, a thing. I know. I was like, is I that I think the bird Julie is Mount? some sort of... Uh... 
recording device or cyborg right? or something. Something. Yeah, I feel like surveillance. we were supposed to feel something or care about that. Or it was supposed to be some hint like towards when towards, I think, around episode eight, I was like, is is Julie Mao a metaphysical something something? Has she been reincarnated as a robot bird? Like, I really did not know what sort of weird little symbolism things we were supposed to be seeing with him. Yeah, like it was hard to tell why there was like, obviously, he was the carrier of the, the story for that part of the story but it was hard to figure out why <laughs> um and the other thing the other thing that i kept thinking about is like there are all these um references to don quixote like the rocinante's don quixote's horse <laughs> and um but like i don't really see like how the crew reflects him at all the character um i think it's more miller who is Don Quixote following, um, chasing dragons, aka windmills, and I don't know. Um, mm. So interesting. Yeah, so it's I don't so, understand um, why there was those literary references. I mean, I've read, and I think that the literary references are actually supposed to be about Holden a bit more. But he's more like a Captain Ahab. He's not like a. Well, is he though? Like, isn't isn't Julie Mao sort of more of Miller's white whale? I think he sh Julie Mao is more his Dulcinea. Full disclosure: have not read either Don Quixote or. Uh, <laughs> so Don <laughs> Quixote. Okay, I have like no this. idea what either of you guys are talking about. Okay, Don Quixote. He's like um, he's an old man. He's not actually like a a knight, which is what he tries to to be. In the book, um, he is this like kind of it's, it's sad. It's like a super sad book. Um, he's like a, a sort of well, senile was man that, who's um, going. Hmm? It was said that uh, Jim read Don Quixote like he didn't finish it, and he thought it was a it was a happy story, or he thought it was a comedy. It is a comedy, but it's well, like no, a, a like tragedy. he thought like uh, was that uh. His Jim's mom, mom His was mom saying that. Yeah, he said. She said that. Yeah, like she, he thought it was like a happy go merry story. Um, didn't know about the tragic end or whatever because uh, he didn't read it, it to the end. Yeah, so. Well, no, but it's like the whole thing is like a tragedy. It's like a comedy, but it's a tragedy because like he thinks that he's fighting like dragons. But they're yeah. windmills. Like, he's mistaking, like, straight-up windmills. And he's, like, attacking them with his um, jousting spear. Yeah. Um, and he has, like, this, like, um, squire that's not really, like, a squire. It's just this little, like, chubby man called Sancho Panza. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's all just, like, very sad and embarrassing. Like, it's, like, so much empathetic embarrassment watching him go through life. And that's kind of more what I felt towards Miller, where he was like chasing this thing, um, and it wasn't what he thought it was, <laughs> um, which is what we end up seeing, and it ultimately is his, well, spoiler alert, <laughs> demise. <laughs> uh, so um, or is it? going back know. to the to Miller being boring, <laughs> do, do you think Sad. it's it's more because it's not clear why he is so invested in this? Or do you yeah. buy the part about him being invested? It's hard you to just get his don't motivation. care about the thing that he's invested in or the fact that he's invested in it. It feels I, I go ahead, Robs. Oh, I just it just it feels like and like I know that stories 
use tropes for a reason and they can effectively use them. But in like in this case, I just felt like we were seeing like the prototype detective. Um following so it was too community. cliche is that what you're saying i guess so and like but that's I, I feel like there has to be a purpose to it because that's the same that can be said for his like sort of partner guy who is like de- like starting to have like feels for like the prostitute with the heart of gold mm-hmm. um and so i thought that i don't know i feel like there's a purpose to it and i just didn't never figured it out i think and this goes this this gets into my you know I'm going to impress Shaheen with my with my uh, philosophy (laughs) degree Um, that Miller, again, when his story sort of continues onward, like he gets so deep into it without almost like really sort of any proof, like he becomes, quote unquote, the knight of faith, like and even it becomes explicitly stated when he's talking with the Mormon guy um, on his way. Is it which which station is he going to Ceres station or is it? I can't remember the name. Eros, right. He's on his way to Eros. And, you know, he asked the Mormon, like, well, what the fuck happens after you're in space for 100 years? Like, what if there's nothing out there? And he's like, you know, I have faith that there is. And then later on in the episode, Miller actually says that, you know, he, quote unquote, has faith in Julie Mao. Um, mm-hmm. So she becomes his religion. But I do mm-hmm. think that it takes too long and it's a little bit too slow paced compared to what's happening with the Rossi, which is way more interesting and exciting and dynamic. You know, we're just kind of in this one guy's head as he sort of comes to Jesus, except he's, you know, coming to Julie Mao. Um, You know, it is sort of this religious and faith awakening story for him. But if, if, if the entire story had been him, then maybe it would have been different. But the fact that it's juxtaposed with, you know, cool blowing up shit is like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's a, it's a little yeah. bit hard air, to stomach. Air lit, airlocks being broken. Air. And, yeah. Like people getting punched, Mods. like zero gravity sex. Instead, he's like, well. Donkey balls. Donkey balls. <laughs> um, Can't compare to that. Yeah. You know, how how can, you know, some guy scratching his, his, his you know, three-day-old beard be be as exciting as that? Also, because I still don't, yeah, I didn't understand why he, he does, like, fall in love with Julie Mao. And, like, there's, like, hints of moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, that is kind of, like, I can so see him I, building. I, actually, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's in love with her. I I thought that, again, he's um, really interested in this because he thinks there's something big happening, which he's right about. Um and and I thought that he made up the whole thing about him being in love with her um, to get out of that situation with Doss. But he, um, like, he seals his fate to stay with her. Yeah, he's, like, he's sort of in love with the idea. The, it's I, the idea yeah, idea I agree with that more, yeah. Um, that, but, he, yeah. I mean, and, and you talk about, you know, people who are super religious, you know, they love their God. They love, you know, Jesus yeah. or whatever the fuck. And it's um, interesting now that you mentioned that his conversation with that Mormon guy, uh, you can read that as him asking that about his own journey, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what if after all of this, there's nothing? Which yeah. kind of turns out to be the case. Ah. <laughs> uh... Yes and no, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, not in the grand scheme of things, but in that he doesn't find episode, he doesn't find of, a, an alive Julie Mao at the end yeah. of this. Well, um, I think that's she, up for debate. <laughs> As yeah. we have left things at the end of episode eight, Julie Mao 
is not helpful. In <laughs> She's in chrysalis. <laughs> yeah, she she is about to become a butterfly, and it's going to be a weird, scary fucking butterfly. Like, but uh, you know, like he... the one that assaulted me when I was walking to go get a coffee the other day. I literally stepped out of my building and felt something just like hit me smack dab in the chest and I like jumped because I was like what the fuck was that? What do you that? mean hit? Like it like it's a butterfly. How fucking okay. hard could it have hit you? I'm telling you that it must have like had an Do you have a bruise? Did you have to I go to the ER? I do not have a bruise. Obviously I was not injured by the butterfly, but like it had to have knocked its like the wind out of itself because like it thumped me as hard as the butterfly could thump me and it like it like landed and then just like sat there for like a second and then flew away and I was like what on earth just happened um anyways butterflies don't trust them (laughs) enough about chrysalises and your experience with I guess the butterflies yeah maybe maybe like you spilled some sugar on your shirt and like I was wearing this Canadian shirt with a beaver on it but like I don't know is it possible that the butterfly was just flying in that direction and you just happened to Whoa, walk, Mr. Logic over here. <laughs> walk into the poor into butterflies. I flew into where it was going. <laughs> this is your fault, Bubs. This is on you. Damn it. <laughs> You're the one who killed the butterfly. Wait, did you kill it? No, it, no, no. It flew away. Okay. I, it, I'm, it must have, like, I just imagine it, like, landing somewhere and being like, oh, my God, my head. Like, <laughs> like maybe it did end up dying. Who knows? <laughs> so, I used to get I used to get assaulted by a Mississippi kite. Back what in Texas. It? What the fuck um, is that? Like, it's just some sort of hawk. I don't know. Again, you shouldn't have all these names for it. It's just, it's just <laughs> some sort of eagle. It's a small, bird and it hated you. It's a small eagle. It's just a type of bird of prey. Um, anyway, like on the way to school, it was always like, it would always attack me. And it, it was kind Did of... Did you I, walk by a nest? Like, like if it was every day. Well, the path... The walkway was kind of the track was kind of on uh went by his nest, I guess. Um and uh yeah. So we weren't trying to be intrusive, but that was just where the walkway was. But it was kind of selective too. Like I feel like it attacked me, but then it didn't attack the next guy. Who was um, the next guy? I don't know, or to whoever. You know. You're saying it was racially profiling you. It was either racist or sexist or something. Like, didn't attack <laughs> girls. I don't know. It so could just it tell was, your vibes, man. That, you know, you had nefarious yeah. plans for I that just egg. have, yeah, I just have He's a like, very, that motherfucker likes omelets. I have a menacing, <laughs> I have a menacing presence, so. Apparently. So, do you agree with, with my Miller is Jaha proposition shaheen um so that goes back to the question of what miller's intentions or motivations are right how how so because i'm probably just misinterpreting your night of faith because i didn't if for example he's just really in love with this woman who he only knows through pictures so that's um, a no which is like, you know, I don't know, whatever. But if he's in fact like romantically in love with this woman because she's so pretty in the pictures or she's so brave or whatever, then, you know, he wouldn't be Jaha, right? He would just be some crazy dude who's in love. When 
when I'm saying in love, I sort of mean not a romantic love, though I don't though I think that maybe deep down he's kind of hoping for that because yes, she is a pretty girl. Um, no. But I think it's, like it's sort of like he's he's in love with this idea of finding her and sort of like the yeah. mystery surrounding her. Like, so I think if, that he wants an answer to what the fuck. Mm-hmm. So if it's that, then, you know, that that would be closer um, to Jaha. And, and I think as he goes on, I think at first it's just a job for him. And then as it goes on, um, it becomes more and more like Jaha. And yeah, you're right. Like, uh, right before finding her, it's just become the sort of thing for him that, you know, he just has to go and find it. And he has faith that there's something. He doesn't even know what anymore, but that there's something that he'll find. If that's what's, dri- what's driving him, then, you know, he is more like Jaha. There's also, I think, to some extent, he's just like uh, that obstinate detective who's like no i i'm gonna crack this case and i don't care you know i'm gonna go behind my boss again like along with the with the cliche i think this always happens like he gets fired and then it's like no i'm gonna still work on the case i mean isn't that jaha though like jaha wasn't you know chancellor anymore and so you know and he was the only one who was really doggedly going after this whole city of light idea yeah Oh. Yeah, so no, I yeah, I I like I said I like the analogy. Uh I think there are Yes. Um, I basically have a PhD in philosophy. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to steal your thunder, Shaheen, but if you need to cite me on any of your dissertations, we can talk about All right. it. Thank yeah. you. That's yeah. very You're that's welcome. very generous. Cuz otherwise, you know, I like if you didn't allow me then, you know, like you you don't want citations, so like you have so to So you just steal it. Yeah, you'd just be like, no, you you have to cite me. Because you hate citations so much, right? Like I do, or? Yeah, you're acting like, you can cite me if you want. Well, I'm saying, you know, if you want to use my genius. I don't care, I'm already, you know. No, if you want to use my genius, I'm going to need credit for it. But this this is, you know, you accepting my genius first, step one. (laughs) Step one, did this make any sense? Step two, okay, you can use it. <laughs> yep. Um, so you have a lot of notes in here, Shaheen. I feel like... Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, first question. Uh-huh. Um, what was Miller torturing? Remember that scene that Miller was torturing that guy? Or, like, he dro- dropped him in that airlock for a second? What was that about? Oh god, like this this all falls back into the early beginning of the show of not knowing what the fuck is happening. Yeah, I'm there are all these scenes that I still don't understand. <laughs> it had something to do with Julie Mao. Wait, I which guess. Scene? Like way at the beginning he like goes into some guy's like mechanic workshop, right? Uh-huh. And like uh-huh. starts asking questions. Was it like to get like a data key? Because then they also, like, needed to, like, fish something out for some guy's dead body. But but I think all of that, honestly, is setting up what we're going to get to in season two of, like, mm. how big of a conspiracy all of this was. Yeah. Um, so maybe so, that's why yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. not too important, but I was like, what the heck? Because that was kind of intense. I was like, this is this, an, this something important? <laughs> yes, but we're not going to tell you now. <laughs> maybe. Um. Uh. Yeah, so 
I wanted to point out that um, I like how they try to create backwards places that are backwards by 23rd century standards. Um, and it's really cool. Like they still have like flying drones and they have like um, translucent tablets and whatever, but it's kind of crappy and they have to like bang on it sometimes or, you know, it's just like they're, they're not as advanced by their standards, but of course, you know, they still have all this gadget that we don't have. So I like well, the I way they constructed that, like the, the whoever the team was behind this is, did a good job. I, I think it's interesting that it sort of is like grounded within the world that the belters live in where the technology exists, but maybe you don't get the newest, shiniest toys. Maybe you don't right. get to replace something when it breaks. You kind of just have to like make do. So, you know, Miller has his like cracked phone and, you know, that's the phone he has. Everyone has these like little data tablet phone things. But, you know, when you live out in the belt, you know, you make do, you don't get, you don't get to go to the camp out in front of the AT&T store for the next iPhone. Right. Um, you know, you get the, you get last year's model. Another great example of it is when that guy loses his arm and he's <laughs> like, I'm gonna get one of those awesome prosthetics with the uh, with temperature sensors and pressure sensors and all all of the package. And then the guy goes, Well, if you go to the inner planet, they'll grow your arm back. <laughs> You'll get a starfish arm. <laughs> yeah, so Which is cool as shit. So <laughs> cool. Stencils. Yeah. Um, so what I was like your, that conception. What was your thing about the busy Batico? Oh, I think we kind of um, covered that. When there's this whole story episode where he finds that corpse and uh, scans it and it says busy Batico and then goes That's to find right. busy Batico and then goes into this weird dungeon where they're watching this guy explode himself and they go, That's busy Batico. And I had to kind of do some research to understand what the heck happened. Um, <laughs> so I was just wondering if like, if you guys were also confused by that. <laughs> yes. I, what I got, what I understood was the person who died was like a sneaky, th like um, high tech thief type person. Um, and so he, his like ID chip was, mm -hmm. um, like they said, it like switches through different people. Right. So every time it gets scans random things, yeah, to like take up time so that they have a hard time identifying him, I guess. Right, and then Busy Batico just happened to be some OPA guy who happened to be a slingshotter. I honestly I don't know, don't know this, what the significance was of that aspect. Yeah. Apart from it being Apparently more interesting, there's more to like, it in oh, the no, books. Alive. Sorry, yeah. what? Go ahead. Oh, oh, I just meant that, like, me, to me, it was like the only other thing I can think of is they just made him like that cool person to like show a little bit more of the world. And when they mm. revealed that he was still alive, instead of being like, "Oh, look, he's just sitting at his desk in his little cell of an apartment," oh. mm. but I don't know. Yeah, there is again. In some ways, it's great because it's like against the sort of immersion aspect mm -hmm. where you're like, wow, there's all this stuff. And, you know, if you were 
following this guy in his world, um, there would be all this stuff that you don't know, right? Just like if, you know, you just follow someone in a totally different country that you've never been to, um, or an alien planet or something, and you see all the crazy shit and they're not going to all be self-evident to you. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, like what is happening? What is this? You know, where does this stand in relation to the other things that I've seen in this society or, uh, all of that, or what does this thing even do? Like, is this like going to eat me or is this, you know, so they're not going to explain all of that to you. Um, so this is how it's going to feel, but it, sometimes it gets a little confusing or overwhelming because you don't know if you're supposed to understand this, or this is just supposed to be one of those flashes of one little snapshot of their society. That's all crazy. And you don't have to understand it. It's just, you know, move on. <laughs> I think I think that that's kind of something that they definitely really did a good job addressing in season two. Um, uh-huh. they didn't, they fixed their pacing and they, it's still an immersive world, especially because we're going to get a lot more Mars in season two. And we, we end up hanging out with this like super fucking cool Martian that you don't think is cool at first, but then turns out she's really fucking cool. Um, <laughs> but you know, like at the, but like basically, you know, it, it's sort of different, I think, than the hundred in the first, uh, few episodes where you're like, no, 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 give it a few episodes to like wash off its CW teeny bopperness um, <laughs> and get really good. And then this one is give it a few episodes because you're not going to have any fucking idea what's happening. But don't worry about it because what you kind of gather hmm. will make enough sense later on when we explain things. But even on rewatch, you're still not going to actually really know or be able to follow what weird little threads were sort of planting. Like maybe I have to rewatch it more and more and more until like, I actually understand every single fucking thing that happens. But I think it, it I almost found it sort of hard to, it, for it to keep my attention. Like yeah. I would watch it and then I'd just be like, Oh, I don't remember what the fuck five minutes ago was happening. Oh, cool. We're back <laughs> on the Rossi. Hooray. Um, right. You know, like, I don't know why Miller's wandering around, like having s- noodle soup with everyone. I, mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely made with a lot of rewatch value um, and, and, you know, for intense viewers. Um, Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Uh, Like I said, there's also um, books. Yeah. Novels behind it. So some of this stuff is explained or explored more in the novels. And we just get little snapshots of it. And so if you've read the novels and it makes more sense to you. So they're creating like a whole universe. Um, and it's also it released, um, sort of on demand, right? Like all the episodes are released at the same time, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, no? normally it's, it airs weekly on sci-fi. I've just happened to binge it cause it's on, uh, the first scene's on Amazon, Amazon prime, I think. Okay. Um, I thought I it was, all the episodes are released simultaneously. Okay. I kind of wish more show, like I want to. I wish that there were numbers from sci-fi because they did that with the latest season of 12 Monkeys. They released it Mm -hmm. over a period of three days. And I kind of wonder, like, did that work out for them? And are they going to do that with any other shows? Um, Yeah, because, you know, if you allow that, then you can have shows like this where it's tailored towards binge watchers because, you know, you can load up a lot of details into all these episodes um, and people don't have to wait a whole week 
forgetting um, everything and forget everything yeah so they can just binge it and get it this it's it allows for a new type of narrative that we couldn't have before and i think the reason these stories are getting more and more complicated and these universes that they're creating get more and more complicated is in part because they know that there is the the ability to rewatch and binge watch so they allow themselves to make it more confusing. What, what black ops stuff are you talking about? Sorry, I'm looking I'm looking through your notes. I was just talking about the whole um donkey balls sequence. Oh. <laughs> I just that was my favorite scene of the whole show. It was like intense and it was <laughs> it was fun. And was fun. I agree with Bob's that like they all play the role and the roles made sense. I just think things like that should be more ubiquitous, mendacious, and polyglot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, big words. Um, yeah. Do you guys want to get to well actuallys? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Bob's, Bob's had something to say about oh, so... Miller Time. Do you have no. anything else to say about Miller Time? Oh, no, I do not. Okay. Or do I? All no. Right. All right. Well, actually. Well, actually. Um... <laughs> So I like this. Go what? go for it. <laughs> um, so that opening zero G sex scene, I was watching it and I sorry if you can hear my dog whining in the background. <laughs> um, so in that scene, I didn't see his foot on the stationary bike at first. So I thought that they were just floating and having sex. And I was like, that that would never work. Like, it literally would never work. Um, you need to, like, be grounded on something to be able to, like, move properly. Um, because, like, Newton's third law or whatever. I um, never noticed the bicycle. So I have always just wondered how that Neither did I. Worked. So I just... Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we at least know that he had something to be able to get leverage. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, and then, okay, yeah, and then you have another thing about that. Oh, so I, um, I found that there's actually a spacesuit that was created called Two Suit, and it was specifically created for intimate relations in space because this is actually <laughs> something that people have studied since you know people talk about populating Mars, colonizing other areas in like it the far future. I'm and looking so, like, at pictures, and it looks, however, that you are limited to missionary. Um. Well, the it's whole kind point of, is that know, like it attaches you, you and get. it tethers you. But but it only unzips from the front, is what I'm saying. Oh. Like it doesn't it doesn't appear that you have options. Dude, for... you should be happy you're getting any sex in space at all. <laughs> like you're like, I don't know about this position. It's like, dude, no, you <laughs> You're 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 getting it on in zero G. Quit and complaining. Then good luck masturbating. Raven in zero is G, just you know? looking at you unimpressed right now. <laughs> right? Ha. She's like, but if so, only. Okay, so I wanna question this the physics of your um your first comment, Bubs. Okay. That's okay. So, okay. why would it be? Why? Why would this contradict Newton's third law? Um, wouldn't it just be like a yo-yo? Like, can't you do a yo-yo in zero g? You're using momentum, and the thing is, when you're doing a yo-yo, you're grounded to the floor. 
So when you're pressing down on the well, yo-yo, let's say you're not. not let's moving. say you're floating. Can can you play yo-yo when you're floating? So, but you have to like when you're throwing the yo-yo down, you're throwing down force. Mm-hmm. So, like with Newton's third law, it's every um, action has an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about two bodies moving, like the idea of them like staying jointed moving, like it's just like the mechanics of it. Like when I like try to like run the simulation in my brain, like it just doesn't <laughs> okay. work. So like it's trying to stay. This is so this is what you were it... doing on The Sims. This is what <laughs> you were doing on The Sims all last night until I mean, five a.m. You could rig that because there are vampires that like can like sort of fly now. Um, <laughs> no, let me tell you how it worked. So. Um, so consider uh, Jim and Ade, is that mm-hmm. his name? Mm-hmm. Jim and Ade together as one system. Okay. As one system, you're right. They're floating and they can't move. The, the system as a whole can't move unless it's, it kicks something else back. So it has to push on something to move back. Um, so if they wanted to move from one side of the room, to the other side, they would have to like push that bicycle or something mm-hmm. and push the walls and, you know, then right. um, float, float back. Now, so that's the, the, both of them as one system. But if you consider them as two parts of the system, then if one part pushes the other side back, then according to Newton's third law that you're, uh, that you're appealing to, then that other one will push back. So they will move away from each other. And then if one, one of them pulls the other one, then they will get pulled towards each other. So all you have to do is kind of, is like a yo-yo and you'll no, just but you're, stay there. But once they're touching it, you're kind of making them a closed system. And then, and yes, you can like, I think if you're thinking about like, if you extend your arm forcing like a separation, Sure, but when mm-hmm. you're talking about like momentum, if they start if they start moving at the same speed in one direction, like mm-hmm. like that also complicates it and also makes it hard for them to actually have like motion again. Like it's just it wouldn't it <laughs> well, not like you could probably do it. You could total but would it be like satisfying like get there? Like no. <laughs> I don't see it working. Well, it's it, so we actually totally saw this without nudity. Um in in when they were escaping from uh the donager was it the donager um which one is the donager which, is that their which, initial which, ship no no which the one donager is the donager is the martian the martian one so the when they were escaping okay, okay, okay. And, and uh naomi's running and then like gravity gets turned off and so she flies away um and and holden hooks onto her pushes her and then she gets to the end of her tether so he can pull her back right yeah. And then keep on going. And so I, I think that w- what I think you guys are both right about the sex as as a lesbian. I'm going to I'm going to explain heterosexuality to you. Uh, Shaheen is right in the sense that, you know, in terms of actual motion, this is possible. The forward and backward motion to Bubs's point, there is not enough uh, friction generated or power or velocity i i, I mean once you're once I'm your emotions on... start matching yeah you're, you're mean, like you're the same you're the same unit of motion like you 
you're and you have like nothing to like push off of to like like you stop would have that. to be one person would have to be against a wall and the other person would have exactly. to have an exercise bike to push against. Like there has to yeah, be two only stationary one person, items. One person mm. needs to be tethered right, in well. a way to be able to um, negate like the equating of their movement. <laughs> no, I think that uh, we all have wrong intuitions about this, um, but you guys probably more because you're not <laughs> physicists. So wait, but you're not either. I am a physicist. I studied physics. God damn it, Shaheen. <laughs> you have a, a major in physics? I have a bachelor's in physics and okay. uh, fine. Uh, well, so then yes, you're a better expert than I am. But uh, I still I stand but by Bubs can speak. But that's not an argument. Like I have a bachelor's this is not an argument. I made I presented my argument, apparently it wasn't convincing. So let's I would move say on. I'd like to see a simulation run. <laughs> yeah, we I should feel try like it's it. Problematic. I yeah, it just it, I have I have questions. What do you say, questions. Bob's? You and me in outer space. <laughs> well, if that's well, not that a romantic, the first time I've uh, ever been proposition for it's for science, Bob's. It's <laughs> for science. <laughs> I mean, I I love science. <laughs> Man, that is the hardest rejection I've ever gotten. All right. <laughs> I said I love science. It's like, all right. That hurt. Should we ever find ourselves in space <laughs> with time on our hands? I promise to consider it. All right. Good enough. <laughs> Close enough. You guys are basically married, according to Shaheen now. Apparently. We're like space married. It's like if, if all of the world is annihilated... You guys are and space married. Like, you, Bubs, just, you've, you've committed like, to this. And not not like if it's just me and Bubs on Earth. That still doesn't count. Like, it has to be we're on an, on a spaceship and the whole world is annihilated. Then Bubs You're making this worse it. for yourself, dude. We're how Becco <laughs> happens. Oh, you guys are Becco? That's it? We're Becco. We're Becco. <laughs> no <Which> one. <laughs> yeah. Which one's Bellamy? Me. Okay. Fair. Fair. Thank you. Shaheen is certainly right, enough so to be Echo. So wait, what's, so what's your what's your will actually, Shaheen? I was gonna ask the same question. Oh, wait, about sex? No, <laughs> about your will actually. Oh, so here's my issue. Okay, so and this like let's not even talk about the hundred where they didn't even pretend to like have them be zero G when they got back to the Ark. Never mind all that. <laughs> On I, this, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that's that's a separate issue where you're like, huh, there's a lot of gravity uh, in space. That's weird. <laughs> um, but so so when they when they get to uh, examining the uh, Anubis, um, the anus ship, uh, and they're walking <laughs> around in their in their mag boots or whatever, you know, very slowly creeping because you know it's probably hard. You got to lift up your boot; it has to disengage, and then you you come back down. It engages again and keeps you grounded and stuff. Wouldn't it be faster? To move, to just like let yourself float and sort of like move yourself along, like with your arms, like along the wall. Like, why would you walk? I don't. Yeah, I but don't then how do you shoot? And like, you don't have control. It's about control. I mean, but it, like, but we've also you seen shoot that one it, bullet and you get sh shot back to the end of the room yourself. But like, once they figured out that that the ship was abandoned, there was no need for them to be all like you know creeping around about it like yeah why not 
float a little bit more. And and I'm going to say that this is budget. Like, obviously, it's a budgetary constraint. You know, you can't just have everybody floating around in zero G all the time. But <laughs> I'm just saying in terms of practicality, flying through space probably would be a little bit faster. I'm curious to know how they do the zero G scenes. Do they actually float people? <laughs> like, do they have like... Do they go up in the in the in the parabolic airplanes? I have well, no idea. No, I mean, I think like they probably have like they can have air um, pushing from the bottom. Maybe like the Julie Mao stuff was amazing and beautifully shot when you see her like like alone, like locked uh, under the floorboards or whatever. Yeah. Um, with her hair sort of flowing around her. Yeah, I have no idea. It was magical looking. I guess I guess yeah. we should look that up. All of the zero G stuff is really great. It looks yeah. really real, and like the way there are just like there's it's in a lot of scenes where the characters aren't flowing, but they just let an object are, go aren't, aren't floating, but they just yeah they kind of like they take off their earphones and they kind of just leave it there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just stays there. Well, um, so so what's your cool. what's your thing about the mag boots? Yeah, so related to that, when they were in Anubis, like, it's dark and it's quiet and they're walking. We hear their mag boots going clank, clank on the floor and it's creepy. And all (laughs) I can think about is, well, if they're walking in vacuum, then we shouldn't be hearing this clank, clank of their shoes. But then I linked you to a new scientist article that says... Yeah, then you have a well actually on my well actually. (laughs) (laughs) And then you commented and commented like yeah. like an extra okay. bullet point and so then the article comment. you sent me it says that certain types of piezoelectric crystals have the ability to communicate through electric fields across vacuum and that that generates the exact same effect as as uh, you know sound vibrations so that means that their shoes and the the mic have to be piezoelectric crystals and I'm still so. I'm still gonna. You're still holding on to that well, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's as strongly as before. I will say, for as little hand waving, like as 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 authentic as they try to be with the science on this, I think that they had to have boot sound because otherwise, as an audience, we would think it was weird. Does that make sense? Like, if it was just silent, we'd be like, "Wait, where are their boots?" (laughs) Like, I think it's just for us because we're shallow and dumb yeah also like in general like uh whenever they're like in zero g and they're walking around we hear the boots uh, but when they're the the spaceship is accelerating or they're in inside a gravitational field we don't hear their boots so um because you don't have you don't have to hear the magnet like engage yeah like, so that's pretty cool and they they stay consistent with that Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, other thoughts? What you got, Bubs? Um, I mean, I think that those were all my thoughts. Uh, I mean, I'm excited for next season. Yeah. And the season three, or us to talk about season two? Oh, I guess both. I guess. Um, I think there's more. I guess like I can't help drawing comparisons from this show and the hundred. And this show is like newer. It's like still. Um, I think it's easier for a show sometimes to be, like, great off the bat. 
and then like have trouble finding its way back to that um, as seasons go on. So it's like not a fair comparison. But I think that the way that they handle their characters is a way that I wish the hundred would do more. Um, just a little bit more nuance and care. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about that more and also for the next season to continue doing that. The new season. Yeah. 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 What about you, Shaheen? All right. <laughs> um, I was just wondering, what's up with the Mormons? Of all religions <laughs> to, like, survive, of course, it's the, like, crazy Mormons. I mean, but it makes, it like, to me, it makes so much sense. Like, they went out to the Wild West mm-hmm. to find their Mecca. <laughs> And now and they're going to go out yeah. to space. And that now they're doing it again. <laughs> okay. It's it is weird. It is kind of jarring that we don't mention any other religions and like there's kind of like no faith anymore except Mormonism. I mean, the like, only <laughs> other one that would have made sense would have been Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, who's to say Julie Mao is not full of thetans? I mean, maybe maybe that's what those crystals are. Like Maybe Tom Cruise is. No we're gonna meet him later on. No offense to any so Mormon funny. or Scientologist viewers, but like those are the most far-fetched ones in terms of like mythology. I like, mean, they're all like, a little weird. All right, guys. Guy was born from God. Okay, that's kind of weird. And then it's like, but yeah, and and they're also the same person. And it's like, okay, that's a little weirder. But yeah. then, you know, like, aliens came down and they transferred our souls into us. Like, whoa, wait, that's like, okay, that's a whole other level. All right. No, no, it's, it's, it is it's really, weird. I love the, there's like that internet thing that talk, like explains the different religions, you know, um, at least one's yeah. based on the like the old testament the new testament et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and so like the the description for like mormonism was like they loved the new testament so much that they wrote fan fiction for it and just ran with that <laughs> <laughs> which it's is like totally it, it. it exactly and it is like no like no offense to the mormons if any mormon is listening because like i grew up in an area with lots of mormons and like they were some of the sweetest people that oh i my knew God, growing they're up so, they're creepy nice like they're creepy nice yes i don't tr- i don't trust yeah. it kind of nice <laughs> um, <laughs> um it's i mean i think that they can definitely be obnoxious when they're in on their home territory like if you go if you're in provo utah you're on oh, their territory yeah. and they're gonna do things their way and they're, they're used to it but if you're like i grew up in san diego um in the suburbs of san diego and um they were not overwhelming in that way they were just very super duper nice <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, All right. Well. So, what did you want to say? Something well, I just you? wanted to give a little bit of uh, casting news that we got out of San Diego Comic Con uh, for the Expanse, uh, since we're wrapping okay. shit up. Uh, two. Sorry, I have to yell at the cats. <laughs> Sorry, cats being an asshole. Um. So, two actors are coming on for season three. Uh. David uh, Strathern, I guess is how you pronounce it, um, who you will remember from the Bourne movies and Blacklist. He's like, he's a guy Jason who always plays Stratham? sort of an FBI. Huh? Wait, what? So he he's a guy who always plays sort of an FBI agent. Um, so I'm curious what he's going to be playing uh, on this. And then Elizabeth Mitchell is also being brought on for a quote-unquote important season three role. And you will remember her from Lost. She was in Gia. She was on ER. She, like, pops up in a lot of stuff. Um, 
So I'm pretty excited uh, for those bits of casting. Um, that's all I got in terms cool. of like, this happened at Comic-Con. Awesome. What are your favorite characters at this juncture based on these eight episodes? Ah, uh, it's Ooh. so hard to like limit because I know where it's going. I know, right? That's yeah. Um. Yeah, and I don't. I I haven't watched as far as you guys. So. Like Christian is a boss bitch, but she doesn't really step into it until season two. Yeah, like, I agree. Sh- and. Naomi is kind of rather quiet now and like she doesn't kind of really get into it and Amos is like Shaheen hates Amos right now justifiably <laughs> Which is so I suppose. funny to me. Cuz um, he's just like I see him as like such a lost duckling that chokes people sure fine. But like, <laughs> like deep down <laughs> deep down inside there is I wouldn't blood, say he's got a heart as of gold West, though. West Side Story would say. Yeah, I don't know who my favorite character would be. I mean, it might actually be Amos right now because he's a little funny, I think. Yeah, he is kind of like the comedic (laughs) injection. And he's so big. Like, you kind of don't realize it until he stands up and crosses his arms and you're like, you're a giant person. Um, Because I think everyone else is (laughs) kind of like... Wait, so Alex is not the comedic injection? His southern accent, he, like, tries too hard for me. Oh, man. Like, they write him... They all end up being comedic, like, because Naomi is, like, super sassy. And, like, um, Holden is the only one that's, like, the straight man, I would say. And Amos has, like, the deadpan lines. And then, like, Alex is also, like, witty. I think Alex is probably my favorite at this point. Who's yours, Bubs? Oh, I think, like... I would say I'd go, like, with a safe one, which is, like, Naomi. Just because, like, I like that type of character that she's, like, so smart, like, doesn't mm-hmm. take bullshit, like, puts her foot down, even though, like, Holden is, like, the captain. Like, what he says But she's go. totally shit mom. Yeah, like, and she she's just, like, that's not the right answer. Voice who tells these boys, like, don't. <laughs> Don't put your penis in that. Like, but just like, don't, not, she, not, don't she's do not that. Respectful about it. She's like, she's just literally like, it would be stupid to do that. So obviously, I'm not gonna do that. Which to me makes like so much like because there's so many times at work that like I'm like, all oh, right, we have to do it this way because this like high up person wants to whatever, and I'm just like, ah, that makes no sense to me. Like, why would we like even though they want it that way? Why would we do it that way? Because it's the wrong way. Like, and that's like I just don't get it. <laughs> so I really appreciate that aspect about her. Naomi's uh over your bullshitness. Well, she just like she doesn't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um TV shows to recommend. Yeah, let's wrap it up. So what TV shows are you guys watching or recommending? Bubs. Um so I've said this one before, but um and this was disappointing for me to find out, but I thought that season three of Star vs. the Forces of Evil was back. And there was going to be, like, 22 episodes. But what it actually was was, like, a four-part movie that equates to, like, six episodes. Um, so that was all we got, but all together. Um, and despite season three not coming out, it was just that, it was really good. So if anyone watches Star or wants to see, like, the best cartoon ever, um, they should check it out. Okay. And, yeah. Cool. Shaheen? All right. Um, so I'm just super stoked about Rick and Morty. <laughs> Rick and Morty is coming out. Woo! It's, it's been a back. while. 
uh, September, right? Season three. Uh, no, it's August? it's next week. Wait, for real? Yeah, oh my season, god, I'm so I mean, excited. Season three, episode one already came out on, on the um, first of April. Um, but episode two is coming out, I think, on the thirtieth or thirty first. Thirtieth. Oh my god! I think it's the thirtieth. Yeah. I was not aware. Yep. So there we go. Um, what about you, Joe? Um, well, I will always push all of these sci-fi shows that are that are out right now, which, you know, The Expanse and Killjoys and Winona Earp. Um, Killjoys and Winona Earp are currently airing, and the new season of Winona Earp is wonderful. Um, they kind of, like, really leaned into their brand. It's great, blah, blah, blah. Um, Orphan Black, I haven't caught the new season yet, but it's on my to-do. But surprise, surprise entry to the TV uh, fandom is Claws. Which, which is, I can back that one up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's this show episode, yeah. on TNT that like follows this group of women who like one of them runs like a nail salon and they all work at this nail salon and like they're involved in like the redneck mafia in Florida and like it shouldn't be good but it's so visually perfect and like strangely like the women are all well over the age of thirty five. They're weird. They're old. They're empowered. Um, there's a, a like a very sort of fringe queerness that's explored on the show, but like totally normalized. Um, it's it's a weird, dark show that it was supposed to be on HBO, but then I guess TNT picked it up. Um, it's worth a shot if you're. I can't even. I don't even know how I would describe it. It's gritty sweet. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's like- got a lot of heart, but it's fucked up. It's really fucked up. There's like choking, and yeah. um, there's like choking, choking and was, like, choking the, sex, the, and yeah, they had like a party. It was like a New Year's party where you know, and there was like New a parties can be crazy, but like it was like at a strip club, and there's strippers everywhere, and that was like normal, like home wholesome is wholesome almost strip, how yeah. it was like. T- I was taking it. <laughs> It was like it was like Saved by the Bell going to the Peach Pit, you know, it's or or the Bronze on Buffy. Like they just hang out at a strip club, but like do like and there's like a weird incest vibe with some. Anyway, it's it's bananas and worth checking out. I haven't picked up on the incest vibe. Is that like later? I mean, his name is Uncle Daddy. Oh. (laughs) I mean, oh, I mean, I guess it's maybe not incestuous, but like definitely like a mama was mama was dating daddy, and then mama mama dated brother. Um. Yeah, it's a weird fucking... I mean, it is Florida. Like, the show is Florida. Not, like, sexy Miami, Florida, but, like, strip mall Florida. <laughs> um, yeah, All I right. guess that's it. <laughs> Good recommendations. Yeah, really selling it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, next episode, we're going to talk more about The Expanse. Uh, probably something like episode 9 to, you know, season 1, episode 9 to season 2, episode six or something i don't know we'll figure it out um so yeah come listen to us and tweet us email us whatevs whatevs and uh are we gonna post this to reddit uh i don't know if we can i don't know like we'll check Uh, with the subreddit and see yeah maybe see us on reddit is there an expanse of course there's an expanse subreddit but i don't know if we have enough uh clout clout to to be posting there but it'll for sure be up on twitter if you're listening to this then you already figured out how to get to listening to us so and congratulations you know. and welcome good job <laughs> good job <laughs> you you get a gold star <laughs> all right any closing words uh donkey balls <laughs>
ubiquitous. Mendacious. <laughs> All right. All right. Great. Have a good one, guys. Okay, bye. Bye. Take it easy.